Hello, welcome to another meeting of the Corona Committee. It's our 151st meeting, one after our Jubilee session that we had last week. I'm happy to have David Jungblut, um, a uh, former uh, lawyer, public prosecutor and judge. We're without um, uh, Wolfgang Wodak today, who is now in a meeting with a pathologist and Ulrike Kamera, and they are looking at uh, further things that are necessary to find out more uh, information. Our meeting today is called To the Lonely Corner Broom. It's from The Sorcerer's Apprentice, a uh, poem by Goethe. Um, and it is uh, from this uh, quote, um, Lord and Master, hear me crying, are he comes excited, sir, my need is sore, spirits that have cited my commands, ignored to the lonely uh, corner broom, hear your doom. So um, it is uh, a story where uh, a sorcerer starts um, um, a um, a magic um, making the water rush, uh, but it um, floods the whole house, and then the master has to come back and put uh, things back into order. And I think that's what we're uh, where we're at now as well. We have the water, i.e., the information flow coming from all the corners, from all quarters, and uh, so um, they are uh, they're trying to put them the genie back in the bottle there, um, and it's not working. But that's enough by words, by way of introduction. We have a, a guest from Paris, now speaking English with him. Correspondent for um, NDT UK News. So maybe could you just um, introduce yourself uh, briefly and then we are very curious to hear what's going on in France at the moment. Hello, Julien, thank you for having me. So yes, uh, I work in Paris um, for NDT UK Evening News. And have been covering the protest um, a lot. I mean, I, every time there is a protest, uh, I try to go there and see what's happening. And so, um, it's a very it's it's a very interesting topic. In fact, what what we see on the social media uh, with the violence uh, is um, is really astonishing. And when and when you're there, you, you can see that it's more complicated that it, than it looks at first sight. Uh, there's a lot of police violence. And there's police arresting people before they go to the protest. Uh, there are police using a weapon war, what it is categorized a weapon war, but is rubber bullet guns, um, all things along those lines. And um, and they're also keeping people in some part of the of the of the places, and they have to stay, stand up for hours. And so this is this is illegal. So they are using some of it's very borderline with the law. And uh, but these are orders from the prefecture, the, the the police authorities in Paris and other regions that are specifically telling police to use uh, these uh, methods to contain people and contain the protest. So it's escalating uh, this way with, with with the police. And of course, there's a lot of violence from the pr protesters. Some part of the protesters, uh, there are young people, most of them. And so the the, the bottom line of this. Uh, is that the, the government doesn't have a political uh, answer for people. Uh, there are some parliamentaries that said that if you don't answer to people in the parliament or in the institutions, then pe you have to answer to people in the streets. So that's what we're seeing right now. Uh, though uh, it seemed that uh, 
there's less people demonstrating for the the past two weeks so maybe the movement is going to uh, fade out or um something else will will happen uh, on the on the on the reform itself uh, i would say that um the the french are very attached to the to the question of the pension reform it's not just a question of being lazy uh, it's also um, a perspective on the society we live in. It's, it has been implemented after the Second World War, and people are very attached to it. And but the thing is that the the protests are more focused on the Macron's way to leading the reform. Mm -hmm. So um, what is very important is that uh, Emmanuel Macron has been elected over the choice uh, of not having his far right opponents at the aid of state last year. So. Um, in the parliamentary elections that just followed the, the presidential elections, Macron have found himself in some awkward spot, spot um, because uh, he, he, he lost his majority at the, the French parliament. So he had to negotiate to implement any of his law, any of the law the government would pass uh, has to be approved in the parliament. So there, there was a, a message from the French people saying to uh, to the, the the French government, you have to negotiate, you have to find some compromise with people, with parliamentaries, with political groups, with unions. And but Macron did did not. Uh, basically, uh, he used the, a constitutional decree to override the lawmakers. Uh, but this constitutional decree, like the Article four, uh, 49, uh, was designed to pass financial laws. Mm -hmm. And so we can see that he's using like for other other laws like the pension reform with some um, it, it, it's engineering it, it's the the way he, he engineered the law um, if I, if I may say and so and people notice it it's very obvious so uh, I guess what what's happening is pe people really reject uh, Macron's way of uh, doing politics and leading the country basically. Um, and something that is important too is that France is may may not be a democracy like its neighbor countries. Um, the president has a lot of power. It's more like the the, the Russian government or the, the Russian regime. And so um, there's very little way for people to find um, a, a, a ground for negotiations. So that that might explain the, the the violence also that's coming in the street that people are really fed up and see no no answer to their to their questions. Mm -hmm. So what's the what is the what is exactly does he uh, the the pension reform? Could you say that with a few words? Because I mean we have like um, not so much uh, reports about all these these protests in France in the mainstream media. You see a lot of of it in Telegram and and you know these alternative uh, outlets, but not so much mm -hmm. in the. So it's basically a little bit suppressed the the information. So what's what is it that Macron uh, like really wants to change? Like if you could say that with a few words for people who are not yet familiar with it. <laughs> what he would want to change over uh, in, in the, re the pension reform that you say, what mm -hmm. like what's the the core change that people also might be angry about if? if well, the, the the core change, uh, yes, it's uh, raising the retirement age from sixty two to sixty four years old. Mm -hmm. But this this is it only two years. 
Okay, but they hate that it's like this in this kind of dictatorial, um, authoritarian. Yeah, authoritative. yeah, and uh, yeah, and what is important is that Macron said before he was elected in his uh, promise in his uh, political campaign, mm -hmm. he said that it would raise this retirement age. So that that makes the situation even more difficult to understand. That like people knew he would go for it. Um, so uh, the. the there's there's no change whatsoever from from now on 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 this. He has already uh, approved um, the 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 law. I mean, it was this constitutional decree. So the, the law is voted for uh, two or three weeks, and nothing will change. Uh, there there is something that could happen this afternoon with the constitutional council that will uh, take a look of the law and see if there's anything illegal. So that might change what will what will happen in the near future, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Macron didn't want to change anything. Okay, and ca can it be? I mean, do you think that this is like um, it's it's sure that it's like an authentic um, protest that it's not like something just to cause like sort of turmoil? Because if people knew it before, uh, what is it that really triggered this kind of anger? Just the way that he pushed it through, or um, can it also be that it's like some you know attachment for then like some social unrest and you show the police brutality? or like uh, sort of, um, you know, uh, creative interpretation of the police law in mm. order to make, get people more angry or like um, think, oh, we don't have any chance to do anything against this government or so? Yeah, uh, I would say both. And uh, what what's, what is interesting is that just after the, the decree was implemented, uh, people gathered spontaneously in the streets. Uh, there were no, uh, no, um, demonstration organized or whatsoever. So there's really this um, this unrest that has been happening in France. It's the same as the yellow vest, but in worse this time. So this is something that um, I guess that that's a, a rejection of Macron. That's the main point here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that seems interesting because in the <clears throat> German point of view, it's um, a very little reason here yeah, because we got the same uh, the same law reforms um, I don't know 16 years ago and there was almost no no protest yeah people are saying like okay shit happens and <laughs> they are continuing continuing their their whole days their normal days <clears throat> so for mm. me it it seems more like a symptom for other reasons um, um, especially because when you're saying that um, Macron announced this reform it was no surprise for the people so it seems a little bit surprising if the people are now reacting in this aggressive way so mm. maybe there are some deeper reasons uh, in the social constitution or something like this or maybe because of the elections because I don't know what your point of view is in this um, in this issue mm. uh, we we are we were not sure if the if the election were let me say it for real or if there were some uh, influences let me say it in this way so maybe this uh, is a background or one of the background of this protest now that uh, there's no real legitimation for Macron. Mm. Well, if you see the who the protesters are, um, I, I spoke to them and I saw a lot of yellow vest people. Uh, they, they they talk of about the the purchasing power, the the, the rising of the, the cost of life in general. So people are really fed up for many reasons. I guess it's not just about a two years. Um, the, the the two years that people will have to to work more 
and uh, and also there are the leftist uh, driven um, unions, I would say uh, that they they are calling for um, a strong opposition, and they are followed by uh, by a part of the youth. I guess many young people are protesting also. Uh, I guess some of them do it for their future, uh, but we can see that the people are who are getting violence are often the, the, the young people who are organizing themselves to try to beat the police or this uh, cat and mouse uh, game with police. Uh, so there's a variety of reasons for people to protest. Uh, and I guess uh, Macron is some kind of a scapegoat, maybe a scapegoat if you can say so, because he approved, uh, he approved was what France is being through. And so, yeah, that that's basically, yeah, that's it. Okay. And when you tell us um, there are a lot of young people, uh, can you um, yeah, can you describe how is the mixture of the demonstration uh, of the demonstration people? There are more young people, or it's it's both young and old people, and maybe also if there are a lot of people with migration background or or real bio no. bio French people, or it's everything. No, it's really pure French people, I would say, and the the, the people that a lot of them are from the middle class. In fact, or even the um, a level higher of the, the the middle class in Paris, which is quite surprising. They say, okay, it's the young bourgeois who are who are protesting and throwing stones to police. And I would say that that's what I saw um, from my from my limited experience. So, um, yeah, the. Um, uh i i guess i i saw a lot of of old people also who really struggles with their life you know and they 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 have very sad stories like they cannot feed themselves they cannot feed their families um we saw that with the yellow vest and so it, it was the, what was say, said by the yellow vest movement that they cannot afford to pay their to their cars uh they they, they are angry from the, the, the in the middle of the month because they, they don't know how they they're gonna get through the, the the month, and what happened is that there was this repression from the police each time they went to protest and say what they had to say, and I I, I saw that I saw pe uh, policemen arresting old people with yellow vests and they had nothing on them or uh, keeping away their protection for the eye because they they were going to be tear gassed and so it's um, there was this anger with the yellow vest and the, the movement um, eventually dismantled. But uh, you, you could say that it was not right or not fair when you were there and, and you saw that police response and the, the, the power being blind to what's happening in the streets. So I guess that is uh, also a background for what's happening now with the protests. Okay, but it's interesting because uh, as I remember, the yellow vests were more recruited by the working class. And now, if I understand it right, it's more the bourgeois, the, the young student people. So that's another yeah, class of the society, which is now demonstrating. Yeah, yeah. well, for, for the young people, I would, uh, I would just mention those who throw stones to the police and those who are violent and following some leftist movement. So that, that's a lot of what we see when, with the fight with the police. That's those kind of people. But it, it, uh, for, for the the rest of protesters, I guess, are from all class and more like the working class, sure, mm -hmm. because they, they have more to lose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now you think that it's kind of dismantling, that it's sort of becoming a bit more quiet, uh, the movement? Yes, yes. So the 
one one issue um i guess that there can be two way for for this to end um we see there is a radicalization of people of, of protesters there are more protesters who support the violent the the violence against the police and that's that's uh, that's an issue for for this protest because maybe something can happen like uh, people are already sent to the hospital. We, we we see on some protests, a lot of people were sent to the hospital and even policemen. So it's it's really violent. Mm -hmm. And so maybe this will increase uh, in, in the future. Or if Maybe there will be more unrest due to the, the, the violence itself. Um, but uh, I don't think so. I, I mean, it's not sure, but I it seems that the movement will just uh, de-escalate or uh, fading out and uh, because people cannot protest like every week it's uh, it's some it's um it's a big thing to protest some of them come to paris from the from south france east france and there's a cost to protest in fact for them so it's very possible that the movement will just um be over in a few weeks maybe Mm -hmm. And this is like a, basically a, a Paris phenomenon, or is it other other hotspots in France? Oh no, it's it's really a France phenomenon. It's not just Paris. Mm -hmm. Very violent things happen in other other uh, places in France. And I, I would I would say that some um, some policy analysts I speak to um, said that this the there was a revolution coming. So. Um, this is something that is not reported in the mainstream media, of course, and we have to be very careful with what we're saying. Mm -hmm. But uh, they were very confident with that because they said that there's a, there's no way the French government can solve the issues that's happening in industries now. And what Macron is doing is only reinforcing uh, the rejection from the people. So that just means that uh, maybe there's something that can happen in the following month or if something else um, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, there will be a resigning from some uh, French government ministry or um, a new regime. Some of the, they, they talk about a new regime, uh, maybe a more parliamentary regime or something that is more close than what we see in the in French, in France neighbors countries. Mm -hmm. Wow, so it's a deep political uh, questions are, are being raised by this whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, you told us in the beginning that uh, some actions of the police is obvious uh, illegal. Um, so how the law system is uh, working with it? Do you have some information about that? Yes, yes. Well, uh, in France, you can arrest people in the streets and take them to the, the police station and then you release them. And there's no following up, neither for the policeman nor for the, for the, the person arrested. And the, the, the police is using this method to discourage some protesters to, 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 to protest. That's why the U.S. also uh, remind France, um, uh, I guess it was last week, that, that there was a right to protest and people have the right to protest. And and the police got their, their orders. So they're not just like acting weird with these people or that people. They're following their orders. And so there's... Um, and the Macron government, what, what is very interesting is after the Yellow Vest movement, uh, Macron's government uh, implemented a new law, uh, which is to, um, to, 
to ban illegal, uh, what they call illegal demonstration or violent demonstration. And of course, you don't know what is violent and what is not violent for a demonstration. But they use this law to um, to make it easier for the police to go on field, arrest people doing this, doing that. Because one police like throw a, a tear gas grenade, they don't have to justify themselves why why they're doing that or why they're arresting these people or that people. So basically they can do whatever they want um but it's not that whatever they want is that they are following orders so uh, that that's why everything is very borderline with this protest and um yeah and what about the about the courts because there are they have normally the competence to to um to control the executive or is there no reaction uh, on this side well from the law system because i think some of the people will go go to the po not maybe not to the police but to the court and say that is illegal what is happening here so is there any reaction any control or is it yeah. out of control uh no th there is no th there are some people that have been violent arrested and judged and those one were just standing for uh, as example for for the other but the, the judge don't have um uh they don't have um their role is not to monitor was what police is doing uh it's something else they, they can um they can like have something to say when people is brought to the court but uh they they don't uh, get into this uh uh police system okay so that means that people have no protection against like the the police police overreach kind of or could you get yes. like uh, you know pain and and damages you get that paid for when you go to police the, the courts after after you've been hit by a policeman i mean how that must be dealt with in france in some way well yeah there are some policemen when they are identified and of course it's always um what the media if, if there's videos of policemen doing wrong uh, wrongdoings uh beating up people and if they can identify the policeman maybe they will go after this one or that one and the interior minister also like led some um court uh he asked for the punishment of the of those uh, policemen but uh the, the majority is not is not very worried about this issue i have to say there's a lot of violence that are not reported uh most of them we can see on the social network that they are not reported even in the media you said that the the media wasn't was not interested in germany that that's very interesting because in france uh they have their particular narrative uh, with what's happening with the the, the protest also mm -hmm. and they try like to blame the protesters for um for preventing people to do business and closing their their, their shop in the streets and the, 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 this kind of things I don't know. It just seems very weird. I mean, it's usually the most natural democratic right that you go to the streets and, and protest. And I mean, you've been, you know, doing this like um, all the time, basically, in France. I mean, that's at least what we hear, that always someone is on strike or is like protesting. And, and also, like, you have a lot of, uh, you know, like energy behind it. And um, now it seems that it becomes uh, sort of, uh, you know, not good style to protest at all. 
and even like as you said like almost a terroristic act it seems yeah that uh, you know at, at least that seems to or not terroristic but like annoying or like disturbing or not okay act uh, when it's like hindering people doing business i mean that's usually the price you have to pay in a democracy uh yes i, I didn't get the question uh sorry yeah no i mean just that it's like surprising that you have um because it's such a uh, core um, right in a democracy to protest and you've been like I mean you French people have been very experienced in protesting and now it seems to mm -hmm. be like uh, not good style or like like uh, you know not um, just not uh, socially inadequate almost to to protest yeah when they come up with this narrative that you mentioned the the oh. mainstream media um, yeah I mean yeah the, the the narrative is is uh, is against the protesters obviously that was the same for the yellow vest and it's uh, the number of protesters are, is also very underestimated there are some experts that even openly talk some chief intelligence uh service intelligence saying that the number of the media were uh, widely underestimated when it comes to uh, how many people are protesting in france so um yeah it's not uh they make it appear it's not good but uh people are really distrusting media as those days mm -hmm. uh for obvious reason i must say uh see what their coverage is about like w when there are protests they, they always open like the their um their broadcast saying okay there was so much violence today in this place in that place and they're they're filming the the the, the trash that are burning you know so uh, I've been there, you know. I, I, I saw some protests where it, it was everything was okay from the beginning to the end, and at the end there's one or two trash cans that are getting a, a blaze, and all the cameras come here and film the film the fire, and that that's that's the main point. Like the, the main point of the protest is that. So yeah, that, that's also a, a big reason why people distrust um, mainstream media's in France. I mean, those who protest in the street because it's not the majority of French, I, I would say. Mm -hmm. One last question I have, um, like, is the, do you see like an, an overlap between these people who are now pro protesting and maybe the people who were like critical uh, with the Corona measures or is it just like separate, no connection at all? Uh, that's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. Uh, but uh, I think it's it's more wide than that because the the, the left uh, the left opposition is very um, uh, their their voice is very loud in the parliament and in the street also I would say like with those unions where some of them drag the the, the left leftist people maybe to to protest so uh, I, I wouldn't say it's the same but there is definitely a category of people who have was been lied to with the the corona the, the the vaccine against the coronavirus and then the ukraine war and then what, what's coming after it's always like the the, the main narrative uh, that they get from the media they, they would oppose to uh, basically which sometimes is uh, is kind of bad even for them uh, but regarding the protest i guess it's a more wide uh, wide issue uh, though we can um I I, th I think there are some uh, theories about the Great Reset also that are uh, getting more um, people interest, mm -hmm. uh, have more interest with these th theories. And we can see that in the protests, like the, 
these big signs with um, Bill Gates and so on. So it, it it's kind of uh, getting um, it's kind of a mixed feeling with that. Um, mm -hmm. Understand. Uh, I get one more last question. Also, um, <clears throat> um, at first there were a lot of parallels to uh, what um, I'm referring to the behavior of the media's and the government. Um, uh, a big difference is the the mixture of the demonstration. I think because in Germany the people which are getting on the demonstrations are more older, I suppose. Um, but what I wanted to ask is, um, almost everyone who is demonstrating here is getting described uh, as a Nazi or anti-Semite. Yeah? And I don't know, do you have the same reaction from the official side that there are some yeah, the description in this way. I think Nazi is not is not shooting so good in French, but uh, in France. But maybe there are some other topics like yeah. terrorists or something like this, or communists, or I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, Framing, yeah, we have. Yeah. We have. Uh, I saw that in the German news. That that was a kind of a, yeah. I, I remember thinking myself, oh, that's the thing we have in France. Yes, the, the the media against sometimes they, they pick up this sign or that that sign from a protester and say, oh, look at them, they're like anti-Semite or racist or whatever, and then they arrest the person and we, we get the trial and every. So yeah, I, I guess that's one a narrative they they try to push also against the protesters that look at those one are from the far right, etc. Um, but I guess th that happened with the yellow vest a lot uh it's not it's not really the case this time because it's it's really a wide um wide range of people protesting mm -hmm. yeah great that you um were able to to get us here and uh, kind of up to date and uh, super that you took the time to do that because i know you're super busy and have deadlines today also so yeah fantastic thanks so much that this was yeah. possible Thank you for inviting me. Thank you very Thank much. You. And one last thing, uh, I like your topic. Uh, if there's no answer in the parliament, the answer will getting on the streets. That's very good. Mm. That's democracy. Democracy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, thank sure. you. <laughs> People voting thank with you. their feet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Very interesting to look behind the scenes of what's going on in France. We're happy that we could hear it. Um, the producers show us the video that they've prepared. It's a new development. Yes. Hello, Sven. This is my brother. You may know him, Lausen. I'm Tom Lausen, data analyst. And we have just switched away from Neustadt, Hanover, from the local court. And my brother held a lawsuit for a soldier fighting against his senior because he um, didn't follow the commands to get the vaccine, which is not true, but a special day in this respect because the judge did something which is revolutionary, I think we could say. Um, I let my brother explain what happened. Today, we witnessed something exceptional because a local court judge looked at the command line in the military from the medical point of view 
and he asked in the context of the evidence he had been hearing the witness who was the doctor, the military doctor, doing the information and um, doing the vaccines and explaining what it went. And she said that until the uh, soldiers were obliged to accept the jabs, they did it voluntarily, um, explaining that they are voluntary by signing a document. This was not necessary anymore after it was a duty to tolerate, although they always asked the soldiers whether they would be ready or not. So the doctor, uh, the police went there to the military doctor and said, well, I don't like the vaccine and I don't want to get the shot and so on. And then the judge asked, well, and did you then jab him mandatorily? And what did the doctor say? Well, she said, no, of course we won't do that. That would be a physical violence, and we are not allowed to do that, and we have mandates to command the soldiers and respect. So that means that the Federal Ministry of Defense um, first wanted the soldiers to consent, and now, um, when that, um, they were forced to tolerate it, and uh, then they didn't need that, uh, document anymore, and then the doctor says, uh, and wants to know from the doctor whether he um, wants to accept it, and that's okay, the doctor has to do that, and that means that commands to get the shots are inviolable because they have a part that cannot be executed, um, because a command that is uh, subjected to um, questionless follow-up uh, can be executed because if the soldier is asked whether he wants it or not and this is on decision, then the command cannot be carried out. That's what the court said and so he says he doesn't see a basis for a sentence. So the, um, the uh, soldier was um, not sentenced, and uh, what does that mean? Uh, and that actually applies, he was acquitted, and that actually applies to everyone, to all the soldiers. That's also been an amnesty for the past um, lawsuits. Yes, I hope the students so. so we're in strong rain now. We'll stop it and we'll come back with more information later. Okay. Are we online? Well, I talked to Beate Bana, who was involved in the case, and I think tonight there's going to be a press conference. As right up today, that was from yesterday. That's a great development that now at least these soldiers, there seems to be an exit. 
talking about for years. Uh, so it's about Uh, 
visibility and that can be misused, as we've just seen. excuses online already, uh, to be not the case, uh, that gives I'd like to take the opportunity to say something. We had the party's general meeting of the parties, and uh, there was a recording of uh, the meeting, and it hasn't been published as yet by the members on the end. I would like to appeal um, to those who are keeping this close uh, up. Um, it would be important that everybody who wasn't there and who couldn't attend have opportunity to look at the recordings and have a listen to the applications for the change that were ongoing. These are the things that we are trying to with transparency. Transparency is important. If I know what's going on, what's been said, I can create my own image and uh, get to the right decision. But I think it's very important. I was there on the party meeting, at the party meeting. It was a very broad range of opinions, very interesting. I couldn't even say really. Lots of things showed up that there is things that we can improve in the party, externally there were moving moments and there were stopping moments. And, um, well, this generally may be a bit too much, but there are situations that could have better, but very, very strong and very inspiring thoughts, and I think it's very important that if we publish internally for the members of the party as a whole, as raw data, to say, as the company, session without uh, just uh, uh, taking the highlights of the same way we asked also to that we provide a respective link. So just try for So I would urgently like to appeal to those who are responsible to make this available for everyone. That is the core and the heart of democracy, especially for the, the party. And, uh, wait for the next uh, guest, otherwise we'll just continue a bit more. Uh, if not, maybe somebody call him. Um, I'm not sure if he's in. We looked at I looked at the pandemic contract uh, of the WHO. I wanted to prepare things. Um, but, um, I'll do that in den also concrete mit den Europäische Union in Ergänzung Mit dem Rohentwurf auseinandergesetzt und mit den entsprechenden Änderungsvorschlägen und die sind überraschenderweise äh, in Anführungszeichen natürlich jetzt nochmal etwas. Surprisingly, also die Vorschläge, die die Europäische Union hat gegenüber dem, was die WHO. Unquote, it's a bit more strict than what the 
WHO has developed. So, um, there's an explicit mention that um, uh, submissions should be made if internal uh, discussions with partners, new uh, needs or findings uh, emerge, and then I wonder why are they all internal talks? That's something that really affects uh, the population of the European Union as a whole. Um, it really affects all um, member uh, states in WHO, it's uh, more than 190. So why do they have to do something behind closed doors? And the second thing is that what's also interesting is who are those so-called partners that the European Union needs to uh, discuss with again now? in order to decide whether uh, there are any further um, modifications uh, that might be suggested for this pandemic um, uh, agreement. And it is obvious that we won't get much um, input from the European Union here um, on uh, what this is all about. Um, but it's interesting uh, that um, other things are uh, included in this um, pandemic treaty and I think that uh, with the European Union, because it, I'm referring to the EU because it is a suggestion uh, by the European Un Union, I don't know where it comes from, the European Commission, possibly, probably is it the uh, European Council? We don't really know who is really in charge, who is responsible there, um, so transparency is really um, something um, that we're hoping for here uh, in vain. And um, if this uh, pandemic treaty is uh, being made public now, we have to be uh, lucky uh, that we hear about it. It makes it clear that the EU has nothing to do, really nothing to do with democracy. And if anybody sees themselves as a Democrat and then really believe that they need to participate in the elections of the uh, European Parliament, which has been even confirmed by the uh, Federal Constitutional Court that it's not democratic. Um, if you still uh, participate in the elections there, um, it's your own fault, really. So initially, this European idea uh, as an economic union, it um, would have made sense uh, initially, but as a uh, political union, union, it is really a disaster. Well, I agree with you that it would make sense not to um, attend those elections. Um, and we will speak to somebody uh, later on who is active there. And what I uh, do believe is important here uh, is that as long as this institution exists, um, it's important to have people there who ask and raise critical questions, who actually can um, extract information for us. And as long as we can't ensure that this um, uh, delegitimation is so massive. Uh, which country did you mention? Uh, uh, where only 4% of people only uh, attended the elections. As long as it's not that massive, there will always be a um, um, claim uh, of legitimacy. And then actually it makes more sense to uh, support those people who ask uh, the right questions or maybe even um, install a um, uh, an inquest or something um, 
and I can see that it is a dilemma. It might sense to pull the plug altogether so it doesn't uh, continue anymore, but it would have to be so forceful that you can actually impose that because we can see that if we think back, the people who asked the questions in the EU Parliament, uh, Tehez and Ms. Anderson, etc., they did bring a few things to the fore. They got all those blackened, those um, um, redacted uh, contracts uh, came to the fore, otherwise we wouldn't have access to them. Yes, but the ones that we can see were leaks, actually, and they were alongside this parliamentary process. That's true, but it's also a um, fascinating constellation that uh, you have all these redacted uh, uh, documents that you could really put on the wall as a piece of art. Yes, of course, you have uh, the right approaches uh, there, um, but I think that the true uh, transparency is really from uh, persons uh, that um, um, that are. I think it's part of the democratic process um, to discuss the different options that one may have, but as long as you keep on feeding the system, uh, it won't get weakened. So an alternative would be if you agree that uh, you don't want to do things as they are, and slowly try to follow it out by electing um, the opposition with up to 80 years or more even experience in this system that we are in, and the processes are always the same, that the parties are taken over, they're infiltrated, um, so it's difficult to try something again and again, and, uh, and you don't get any different results. Well, what about Lebanon? What's going on there? They do a change. Well, we're going to see what's going to happen. Well, we should address this. I think it's interesting. Lebanon, Tunisia have this very low participation in the elections. And in Lebanon, I think. Who is ruling them? Is it a king? Well, there was no parliamentarian institution. Maybe still not something to look at. But uh, things simply carried on without any negative effect. That's the interesting part. And I think he is interesting to see. I'm I think myself and the others uh, know what's good for them. I don't know anybody need anybody from above to tell me that. And, uh, lots of the government don't know what they're doing. And uh, so the question is, do we need a system like that, which is uh, simply uh, overreaching? Um, and infantilizing. So, maybe most people don't really think about it. They grew up in the system, whether they reflected or they think it's the best path possible. I think the people have deserved a fair chance to decide and act. And it's done seriously, not supporting any representatives. I don't want to doubt their best uh, intentions, but by the way, there are unclear positions so she thinks that she calls 
what she puts in her sentences and her speeches. I haven't heard any fundamental criticism on the parliamentarian system from her, although she should know better. And I would expect she's wrong in the structures that she can't see it anymore. Uh, I think Ralph Perez had a discussion with her um, on the uh, change of constitution, and he simply couldn't grasp what he was talking about. Uh, so the fundamental basic democratic approach is something she couldn't understand. Um, networked in this existing system, they are not good representatives for a direct democracy. The moment I and Established. Hello, Herr König, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Well, we can hear and see you, which is great. We want to discuss with I'd leave the stage to you. Yes. Theoretically, I could just do a presentation and show some slides that show the theoretical 
auditions and uh, um, I had something on my laptop. Uh, it's always good to see the image are really even better. We can have that on our big screen here as well. Okay, let me do that. So I have prepared a little presentation over the last weeks or so. <clears throat> Let me just uh, open the presentation. And share my screen. Do it this way. Can you see? Yes, we can. <laughs> Okay, we'll do the following. And I give a memorial lecture at the Professor Pop Institute. That means I am kind of familiarized with this digital center, although I've been developing headsets and with acoustics. And so I said, electromagnetic waves, and so on. And that was my electrotechnology studies. In the 2000s, I noticed that. Um, uh, approached me as an electrical engineer and discussed with me that they have different opinions and they feel the weather and went to Delaware um, in a small medical faculty. Of course, in Germany, in Germany, but I don't know too much about German PhD. 
das, was ich gemacht habe, das habe ich auch einem Schutzkommissionsvorsitzenden aus Deutschland, der mich mal ganz überraschend angerufen hat, Adapting ourselves to the electric climate of the Earth. And this means the question is what goes on ISS, for example, certain people want to travel to Mars. There's no natural climate there. And this is why, at the time, seven years ago, that was. I would say poorly addressed by think everything is okay. The reason why this case is easy to be found, but Science should be independent, and that's difficult in Germany. We see this presentation in places that in the 1990s, my father already um, said from his professorship, said we need a D-884 which shows us People think saying these things, died in his 
Dieser Linker Hecht Measuring 
auch eine Person von mir ist dabei und gekommen, kann man sich vorstellen, wenn man da Urlaub macht, man weiß von nichts. Man sagt, ui, heute haben wir ja tolle Erde, naja, und dann kommt die große Weiße. So here we lightning, call me crazy. Next to my Switch it to frequency. 
hier da. Das ist der Wiedermann, den ich hier äh, für meine Frau hier habe. Und so ein Hintergrund hört man so ein bisschen ein zum Das war Originalton von dieser Spektrum-Analysis, wo die über die Wir sind so empfindlich, dass wir die unterschiedlichsten 
und reagiert auf einige Verona and Venedig, they say that there is an earthquake, they are so experienced, they can tell by the weather whether an earthquake is taken off. It doesn't have to do with the weather. Um, they Happening Negative vibration. So if I switch it on again here and I um, access this with this device, then I hear a little bit of noise in the background. 
then I can hear a bit of the background, but mostly it's um, static. I take the headset away and lo and behold, the static is gone. So what I'm producing here is just a copy of the natural uh, good weather field with this headset. So that's fascinating. Via the sound, I can create the body uh, experiences that I would have if the weather was nice outside and um, well, the frequency range of the sound, but not audible. That's what you have to say, because it is a magnetic electric field that I artificially uh, uh, give to the user uh, artificially um, if the weather is uh, poor or just now, as I uh, just demonstrated. I can turn it on um, at will. I can only hear it, Hector that can translate a, or uh, transform this electromagnetic signal to a an audible sound. It's got nothing to uh, to do with sounds, really. It's only a sound that we can hear because the signal is uh, made audible. Mobile um, uh, connections, if you um, go from um, if you speak of 1,800 megahertz, well, you can't hear that. That's way um, out of the, or the audible range. Even bats can't hear that. They can hear maybe a few 10,000 hertz, but then that's the end of that. Just so much on that. Um, there's uh, this study that I don't want to talk about. Um, uh, so very briefly here, on top of the metrology, um, the factors um, that I fell back on, I won't even speak about them. Everybody knows them, but we, for a long time it was ignored that there were there are spherics as well. And interestingly enough, now there's this point. Um, I saw it on the news now that uh, patients who are um, uh, bedridden and um, that they have to uh, given. Uh, anti-thrombotic uh, uh, stockings and uh, bears don't need that even though they hibernate uh, so that is um, an issue um, here this uh, Mr. Ja Professor Jacobi found out that with certain uh, types of weather conditions you have an increase of uh, thrombocytes um, thrombocyte growth as it says here and then you can imagine what happens and now very uh, briefly here, and then I move on to the technical end, the technical frequencies, the uh, weather change or the weather dynamics, as you often have it in spring or uh, springtime or in the autumn, that um, you can have a shift uh, uh, from high pressure to low pressure back to high pressure within a couple of days. And in the uh, southern alpine area, we have this, uh, uh, wind phenomenon called uh, the Föhn, um, and uh, I have to say, I have to uh, go in uh, with a tank on the road because otherwise I'm uh, pushed off the road aggressively by the SUV drivers because I uh, have a small car. Um, and these um, uh, weather conditions, they are biotrope, i.e. people respond to it. And it happens ahead of time, not only after uh, the fact, but 
if you have a, a low pressure at 870 Pascal minimum, but when you're uh, moving towards minimum air pressure, that's when people react. Uh, very few people have head, headaches or other uh, conditions at the minimum pressure. That's another effect. Now, let's move on to the technical aspect and comparing this with uh, natural frequencies. Now, as I said, back in 2008, 2009, in my, um, um, through my uh, lecture, I met um, this um, um, Dr. Drexel, uh, I call him the biophoton uh, uh, Drexel, and with his colleague, uh, Professor Bajpai, and his um, PhD, performed measurements in his studio, and we put a mobile phone in it, and we can clearly see here an excerpt here, a mobile phone, Fewer biophotons, spherics, more. If you have a um, contrary weather condition outside, same thing, we did it in 2008 and then again in 2009, and you got the same uh, result. You don't need to say much about it. So mobile phone seems to um, negative, negatively affect um, lichen on trees um they don't like the mobile phone they uh, and they do appreciate spherics now i didn't go along um as a guru telling the lichens okay hello lichens you should respond just like you think that anything that has to do with uh, electrosmog or radiation is all um conspiracy theory or um, belief systems no here's the facts and then the most recent uh, result, together with uh, Professor Dodge, um, I'm preparing a, a paper where I luckily got a um, an expert from Italy, um, a Professor Giuliani. We are again publishing, republishing a paper to show that even human cell lines, cultivated cells, are uh, sensitive to weather. Some people didn't believe that, but we had the um, extreme weather uh, conditions in North Germany last year. Uh, we were able to do uh, to use that in order to find out that the cells that uh, Professor Darge exposed um, um, and there were controls as well. So you can see here a mini incubator and um, uh, the simulation of a, a nice weather conditions. And then you have the two Petri dishes, one near the generator, uh, the other one further away to see what happens if um, there is a decrease of the um, artificially uh, good weather radiation. And you can see that with a monster low pressure, not on the maximum, but before, just before the uh, maximum, the cells had the strongest reactions. So there were three extreme reactions. And interestingly enough, um, as I said earlier, if you're at um, uh, the maximum of this low pressure uh, area so the minimum pressure that you have very little cell reaction 
So the cells themselves and, of course, um, the neuronal uh, networks, they are sensitive to weather changes. And if you add a, an artificial field, this is an artificial field, um, with a uh, nice weather field, um, and then use that as a control for cells without this uh, exposure to this artificial uh, good weather radiation, then you can see that the percentages here actually increase, the vitality increases. So cell vitality is a measurement of how good or poorly uh, the cells are doing. So we know that these cells are not only sensitive to weather changes, but that, um, that cells can actually respond to um, fears. What is this? This is electrosensitivity. It's as simple as that. Sounds uh, crazy, but that's as simple as it is. And you can test it uh, very easily, uh, be it with indirect measurements, uh, with end meridian on your hands, where uh, you um, do statistics with different uh, test persons in order to see how different organs um, the, the uh, liver, the lung, or whatever responds, and I did that with a study that um, made this contribution to the uh, weather uh, sensitivity. I don't want to um, contribute uh, uh, to talk about more uh, about this. This is a highly complex graph. This is a study that uh, I did um, um, at some stage, and you can see that certain organs respond less than uh, organs in the head, so it's a bit like an EEG me measurement. Now, let me move on, because we uh, briefly have to talk about the technical frequencies. I had the pleasure of um, um, uh, speaking to the parliament in, uh, of Slovenia in uh, Ljubljana, now let's speak about the technical frequencies now let's speak about that with uh, a few highlights uh, because i can see uh, i think i should be done by 4 um, um, pm right no 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 you have time i think the next uh, guest is at, um, coming at 4 30 so i think we have uh, time to ask a few questions okay thanks it's supposed to be uh, a lively thing, not just a monologue, but it is uh, important to me to show here what it's all about. This is not only blah blah, it's electrophysics, science. This picture shows very superficially what happens if artificially, just like I just did it with this headset, I create uh, one of these good weather fields, uh, superimposing it on this a base uh, field that we have uh, outdoors from um, um, the weather outside. If I just superimpose it there and then in acoustics, uh, it's called an overlap um, effect of the current um, background radiation. And at the same time, I uh, look at um, the frequency ranges where I analyze these spherics. Um, where I uh, talk of disharmonic, um, um, harmonic is always uh, uh, upper wave, so we go from uh, wireless, uh, from Wi-Fi to DECT um, 
that is important for uh, baby phones, that's a disaster. How could a technology that's over 30 years old uh, still be used uh, in baby phones that's uh, used at a frequency that's also used uh, with microwaves? I can only recommend uh, the film uh, Shai Steger, uh, fact check or thank you for calling and he shows where these um, 240 gigahertz uh, are coming from, just by the way here. So that is quite um, incredible what I can say here and it's even um, more impressive um, when I was in Shanghai in um, 2016 with my Chinese wife, um, a highly modern city, um, that's not funny, it looks like a human spider web. That's what the um, power supply looks like in China, same in America. Um, you hear again and again, if they have um, bad weather events, then the uh, masts uh, tilt over, like shown on the top right just now. So we're doing better here. We have the low fields and uh, magnetic fields and the electric fields, high frequency, and they're stopped by trees or people, whereas magnetic fields penetrate uh, the body. And um, the uh, cell phone, that um, goes into uh, the body uh, up until two centimeters for 900 megahertz. And at uh, 1,800 megahertz, you have one centimeter of penetration. That's why these are called electromagnetic fields. They're a kind of a mix. Now, the interesting thing, and I fell back on that earlier already, uh, Samuel Milham, an epidemiologist, uh, very well known from America. He performed studies between 1950 and 1970, and you just need to look at the table here, that electro, um, in electrical engineers, the welders, um, the uh, power station engineers have a uh, many-fold higher leukemia rate. That's all I have to say here. That should really make us stop and think that it's not only something that we can easily overlook, that the uh, thresholds uh, levels have to be discussed depending on where you are. And particularly the high uh, levels, I think that's very interesting. That's something uh, one Professor Dr. Jürgen Bernhardt um, footed or said uh, during a Tollwood discussion um, with a Radiation Protection uh, Commission of the EU, he said, we know about the facts, it's just a question of what to do um, with them. And it's always a balancing between commercial interests and uh, scientific facts, that's always um, uh, difficult to find, to strike the balance. Now, if we look at uh, the um, strong field area. Let's speak about the magnetic loads. There are enough studies that are pretty old, as you can see, where they knew that I uh, spoke of 100, 200 nanotesla, nano means a thousandth uh, of a micron. Um, so a micro Tesla is a thousand nano Tesla and 0.2 is uh, 200 nano Tesla. Um, just to give you the conversion. So 
we're talking of values between 200, uh, 100, 200, 300 nanotesla that are postulated here as threshold, as limit values. That's from this uh, book that I mentioned, um, um, Electrical um, Current as an Environmental Factor, Kuni uh, Furcutts. Those are studies that are generally known, but most people aren't aware of that. And now, uh, what's the highlight in the low frequency uh, range, i.e. nearly the higher audio frequency range, maybe some of you may remember that in the good old days, back in the 90s, there was this round sticker uh, called TCO 92 um, 95 98 which said that you had a low radiation screen that you were looking at. This had been introduced by the Swedish Academy and whoever else um, as a global recommendation that on top of the MDA3, um, there was a recommendation that all uh, screen computer screen manufacturers, computer monitor uh, manufacturers, uh, adopted these TCO guidelines. And they said, okay, we put these uh, this sticker on and we say that we have, we're under this limit threshold of under 200 nano uh, Tesla up to uh, up to 200 kilohertz. And uh, you have to really accept this because the 26 uh, radiation, uh, radiation uh, directive offers a uh, threshold level of 100,000 nanotesla, it's 50, uh, 50 times um, that value if I calculate it right, and that also uh, applies to um, the sleeping area. Now what do we do about this? Well, I have nothing to say about that, I'm only a researcher or a developer, so others have to decide on that. Now, let's speak quickly about this high frequency, um, frequency and wave salad, um, and uh, that's important because I mentioned that with a professor, a professor Giuliani um, from Italy, whose uh, colleagues at the European Commission uh, for uh, radiation um, uh, really hit home with a study and facts and data. Maybe some of you have heard of it. A, um, a, a doctoressa um, participated um, there and she keeps appearing on TV. Anyway, originally this goes back to a former staff member of the health office, shall we say, of uh, the uh, city of Bozen um, at the time. Uh, Dr. Livio Giuliano, then he became a professor, and he um, contributed to the fact that uh, starting in Italy, um, where they have mobile phone masks, of course, and you have better reception than in Germany. I'll um, get back to this later on. I wasn't going to show you a different image. That's a comparison from Switzerland um, of um, uh, limit values in volt per meter. You can see that in Italy, there are different mobile phone standards in different regions and they are relatively low. And where are we in Germany? Uh, let me go to Austria, to, to the Netherlands here. Then we have WHO with its um, limit values. 
um, we are at the same load values because we abide by WHO standards. You can see UMTS was uh, replaced by G4 now, but let's um, look at this. Uh, GSM is actually the D2 um, mobile phone network. That's for um, voice telephony and UMTS is 3G and then at some stage they introduced 4G where uh, data could be transmitted, etc., etc. Um, and here you can see very well, and I know it uh, from Professor uh, Livio Giuliani, that the Swiss said, okay, we'll uh, adopt this, um, a factor, a, a, a threshold value that is by a factor of 30 lower than in um, Germany or in Austria. And then Belgium came along. Maybe you may have heard that a Belgian town councillor had huge problems in Brussels when she opposed the introduction of 5G and she was ousted from her office because 5G cannot be transmitted if you don't have the right energy input. 5G has to do with the fact that you have um, a uh, twice the um, carrier frequency at least not two to three gigahertz but you go in the direction of six gigahertz so it's really interesting what you can see uh, here in the context of this topic and what's even more interesting is if you don't only know that uh, this G um, is um, built up the 1G the original mobile phone, the big backpack that you used to have in, back in the 70s. I actually um, experienced the introduction myself because my uh, superior in my electro-engineering studies came along with this uh, sort of thing. Uh, D1 then in the 1980s, that's when we got to mobile phone, uh, mobile telephony, uh, and you can see what's available here and most know that uh, from at 4G um, transmission is according to the LTE standard and that was already available when they extended it to 3G. Now we have uh, LTE plus so you can transmit even more data. So you can see, uh, we can say a lot of things about this. I hope um, um, you can hear um, everything. Can you hear me? Uh, great. Because I have here a beautiful slide where you can see if you make two comparisons, mobile phone DSM has a, a base frequency of 217 hertz. And then I add a zero, and that uh, gives me, of course, the um, uh, upper value, uh, the harmonic uh, to it. And um, then we have um, here um, Ralph Monroe, Dr. Ludwig, Nikola Tesla. They um, became um, well known. They started uh, using that for uh, medical uh, purposes 100 years ago. So this frequency here, particularly because I was able to find by coincidence that
I couldn't exp uh, remember that as an adult, uh, a human being on this planet, 50, 60 years ago, when I was still uh, attended school, I had so many uh, waves of cold as I can see it increasingly with my children. They're now approaching 30 years old. They're no longer children anymore. They're adult ladies. But also with my neighbors, young kids who in winter, um, every one or two months have some kind of cold, some influenza. How come? I'll just leave it at that. And I'll say, um, if you uh, use magnetic field uh, therapy, as they did uh, after I, then you get um, uh, magnetic therapy for a few minutes, not uh, during entire days, months, or years. So overdose, that's the buzzword here. So you can see there's always connections here that are very interesting. You can call them uh, conspiracy theories, of course, but why does everything that simply when it gets interesting and has and and creates some different um, interaction, why does it always uh, be shown as or seen as uh, questionable if you make a connection? Maybe it could be scientifically analyzed, but um, that uh, might be done in a medical facility, uh, but certainly not in Germany. You won't get uh, uh, funding for that. I, I'll put it like that polemically and what's interesting as well and i go back to a uh, an overview now because it um, uh, fits my uh, flow of speech now better that's why i'm going back a few slides um, can you imagine can you imagine why i'm showing you this image here let's be interactive here i'll move the mouse cursor away okay 5G and I say autonomous driving. The uh, the mayor says, okay, we have a 5G mast, we can start autonomous driving now. And I told him, well, um, actually, I don't think it'll work because if you want to realize autonomous uh, driving, uh, then you'll have to um, cut down a swath of um, um, a swath into a line of trees like in northern Italy, or uh, you'll have to have a 5G mast every few uh, meters along a motorway, then you can have uh, autonomous driving, but then you have uh, higher frequencies than uh, 6 gigahertz, it goes up, then all of a sudden we're at a H2O frequency, which is also well known. Physically speaking, it is well known that there was something shown in the 1990s and they found that H2O responds to this. If you apply a field to water and if you go even higher up, then the uh, response is even worse, it's O2, it's oxygen. So maybe you remember um, that in China, they're uh, introducing 6G and suddenly uh, there um, are numerous cases, uh, there are films and those aren't uh, fakes. Uh, I know it from my wife, from my, uh, uh, who is Chinese, she knows from her siblings that people just drop 
um, dehydrated and they get up again and then they move on. Just so, it's just by coincidence. But um, yeah, it just so happens. Now, I won't uh, speak about detail what a former uh, chairperson uh, said that there are no, um, uh, there's no proof for non-thermal effects. I can only um, refer you to Zeitfer.com. Uh, now, let me get back to this image here because the practical application is also important just to uh, walk into nature. Trees are incredibly sensitive to these uh, radiations. This is well known when they built the airport in Frankfurt and they installed uh, directional uh, uh, radio. Then they said, okay, um, there's a forest, um, but we don't care a couple of years from now, it won't be there anymore. It's exactly in the line of um, the uh, directional radio and it's the radar that just eats its way through the trees and you can see what is uh, what you can um, observe here at the top right the um, fir tree is simply uh, fried or it um, kinks or it uh, develops um, um, panic uh, buds as here or then a bonsai uh, firm that was a case uh, 20 years ago a, uh, a farmer who showed uh, deformed calves um, uh, to the press and then uh, a professor went out and uh, performed measure professor went away but he knew what uh, was coming down he left his assistant on site to continue the measurements and then the uh, operator of the um, um, of the radiation source beefed up the um, the energy again. And what you can see here, um, these uh, trees here in the background, they are in the um, um, in the shadow uh, of the of the building, and a little bit further away from the building, you have a tree that looks like it's in uh, mid-October. There's examples like that. That's just trees. We don't need them. We can replant them. Sorry about that. Being cynical here. Well, we can say a lot about it. We uh, can also talk about the fact that as a man, we always keep the mobile near uh, a certain area if you don't want to have any uh, children I said this already there's certainly interesting uh, documentaries that are um, seen very ambivalently um, in in the public domain because they're very negative but one area that I found uh, particularly interesting uh, the film thank you for calling by Klaus Scheidsteger has a, um, a short excerpt that I quote. He um, points at a trailer where uh, pregnant women are informed in Greece that they shouldn't handle uh, Wi-Fi too much and not to um, threaten their pregnancy. 
And what uh, did we do um, through our former transport ministers? Well, that's a contradiction. I would like to ask uh, for clarification. For clarification, I don't want to say that everything is bad. I have wireless uh, Wi-Fi here as well, but we should not stop the development um, of the car industry. Well, maybe not. And then, of course, you can um, shield yourself, do all sorts of things. Well, yes. The secret services, of course, uh, the um, um, information uh, that the um, intelligence services that uh, they protect, they shield themselves, but we people don't need to do that. Um, there are uh, coils that you can buy to protect yourself against uh, railway uh, frequencies of 15 hertz. And you can see that I like to offer solutions, not only uh, shielding, but I'm uh, being tongue-in-cheek again here. I don't want to uh, do uh, to advertise my own uh, products, but there are solutions that are actually um, promoted by the um, uh, state of Bavaria that actually uh, help. They generate something that you wouldn't believe that um, people and electrosensitive uh, people suddenly don't have any problems with radiation um, devices anymore and these devices are installed in clinics for instance i won't go into more detail here because it's not to be a sales um, meeting here so i'll just leave it at that and i'd um, prefer to advertise other people's products who or other people who can say something about this and um, I leave it at that and I would I uh, just stop. Okay, thank you. Um, you are quite right with the four o'clock mark and um, could we possibly briefly speak to the next guest, Ms. Anderson? Uh, could we just um, give her 20 minutes, 30 minutes? Uh, before we can come back to with questions for you, would it be okay to wait for that time? Yes, yes, okay, no problem, no problem. It's good that this is the case. Um, I said, I am ready, um, I'm adaptable. I could have stopped uh, um, just past the hour, no problem. Oh, great, thanks. Uh, it was my mistake. I missed um, the time slot here. I know Ms. Anderson has little time only. So I'd like to welcome Ms. Anderson. Hello. Hello. Uh, great that you are with us. Uh, we have had we have an echo somewhere. Oh, your line is breaking up. Maybe you have to switch your phone off. Turn it down. Is it okay? Yes. Well, no. well anyway, while I ask the question, whether you want to switch it off, or can't you hear me other ways? I can hear you well. Do you, do you have a headset? No. 
So anyway, I'll just ask the question and you are in the EU Parliament and you are an MP and we discussed before on the situation concerning the corona measures and you were in an investigative committee asking very interesting questions, getting answers or not. Maybe I just ask you to tell us what happened. Yes, this COVID sessions are always very interesting. I mentioned in the beginning when the session came together that they had a different opinion. They were just trying to praise each other and so on how they have a good job, good job they made to stop it all. It didn't work out because um, we were able to completely turn around. Um, so it was just a celebration on how great they did the job, but it was um, very, very critical questions asked and we built up pressure uh, that turned up were exactly the things what these so-called um, um, conspirationalists uh, have been saying all the time that this mRNA injection do not stop infections and transmission that was a blank lie and they knew it from the beginning so all of these things that um, we um, brought to the surface in this uh, committee. Unfortunately, the insights that were found in the committee didn't lead to any type of critical background uh, stigmatizations or anything establishing an apartheid society. But on the contrary, so let me start by saying that the concluding report of the um, committee's work is ready as a draft. It's uh, 56 pages and I have to say it's not worth the paper they printed it on. And every lie are repeated, is repeated in this uh, report. Maybe I could just give you a couple of uh, highlights. Of course, it is not said anymore that the vaccinations, the goal of the vaccinations was to stop infections and transmission, but and limit themselves to uh, stop severe causes and hospitalizations. They say 250,000 lives in the EU were saved, and there is a lack of intensive care units. Uh, unit beds are um, named, but it's not made clear that if we were in the pandemic, if um, we go into a pandemic, the first thing you do is uh, reduce the ICU um, beds. And uh, in Germany, this was exactly done. That is not mentioned at all. And um, they look at the contract of the vaccine manufacturers and there they say in the report, so 
not that the uh, contracts were uh, fraudulent or whatever. No, they just say the EU Commission is a sign that are looking for a possibility to get the um, early versions. To looking for an opportunity to do that, well, I have to say, well, really did something there, didn't we? So, and it went on like this again and again. The digital green certificate, the COVID vaccine passport, QR code uh, thing. They just note that the different approaches of the countries with respect to the digital green passport in the EU have undermined the trust of the population into this instrument. It is, this is so outrageous. So it's the bad member countries that this vaccine certificate is misused for other things and not just to simply as it was planned to uh, monitor traveling within the EU countries. Uh, but uh, as I said at the time, when it was uh, passed through the parliament, it was a difficult um, to get your basic laws. And now they say it is um, the member states who did this. And that is ridiculous. If you see that even the former president of the EU parliament just exactly used this green certificate to access the parliament. And it is a blunt lie, and the best is really that, as I read, I looked this up, there is a report on 60, 56 pages, 18,400 words, and one single time, one single time, they use the word side effect of the vaccinations. And I want to quote that as well, because the context in which this word is used once in all that is, tells, tells a story, it says this, uh, the in committee asks the commission, the states and the producers to better communicate possible side effects in a way in order, and now this point, in order to reduce skepticism and false information. So they don't even see that or agree that there is any side effects. So, and that is all put, um, it is due to the um, uh, misinformation and the conspirationists and so on. And that is a pity. That's the report that we get. And there is lots of uh, change applications, um, as you may have uh, think, because there is lots of parliamentarians who will not buy into this narrative anymore. I think it's about 2,000 change applications for that report. We're going to see what the outcome of that is. Unfortunately, uh, we do not have a majority in this committee, so we'll have to see what the outcome is. My conclusion is that they simply try to recapitulate and uh, cement a politically desired narrative 
and uh, put it on paper in this uh, report, which I think is simply scandalous. And we also, in the, um, we had the Commissioner Kuriakos in the committee, and she's responsible for health and food safety. And for her, I asked her, how it can be that the commission acts in this way and um, confronted her with a concrete challenge saying that my colleagues and I, my colleagues are those members of the parliament who across all parties lined up. This is Ivan Sinchej, Christian Chaha, Virginie Jean-Laurent, um, we had a common inquiry to the Commission asking the involvement of the President, in particular her husband as well, who is directly involved as a member in a number of boards of the uh, supply and benefiting from the supply contract. And we asked about that conflict of interest in how far the um, Commission is going to take action in order to solve this and to uh, ask what they think to do about this. And we got an answer by now from the Commission, which is uh, by, by Vice President Chorva, and she is responsible in the EU for values and transparency. Also very interesting. And I want to read this out. A quote that the answer is the tenderest decisions that the gentlemen and the ladies and gentlemen referred to were given by the national member states. The Commission and its president were not involved in these proceedings, so that there is no conflict of interest. And I really have to say that is a blunt lie because the council has exactly that the ministers of the member states have entitled and empowered, I have to say, the uh, commission to negotiate these contracts and not they simply say that they weren't involved. I have uh, confronted her with this answer and asked her in how far she uh, can say anything about the, her colleague responsible for values and transparency in the EU um, comes up with a blunt lie to us as representatives of the people. And she kind of wiggled uh, out of it, she couldn't say anything, it was her colleague and so on, the normal blah, blah, blah. Um, as you have a situation, and this question could, could not just be asked without the chair. And always, when I asked the question, the chair um, recalled me what I'm allowed to ask and what not, what questions are uh, not allowed and what not. And this uh, question to Korea was, of course, outrageous as I. Uh, I ask about a colleague. However, one should think that the Commission uh, somehow speaks to each other uh, 
but this is how they try to get out of things now. Um, yeah, that was the first thing, and uh, the first part of the committee. And then we came to the director of the EMA, the European Agency of Medicine in the EU, Cook, and that was very interesting as well because in her statements, first she stated, um, or after following the question of one of my colleagues, whether they were just looking at that, the research the research produced or how this looks like now as uh, some of the statements have been identified as lies. That was the question and she answered by stating, no, no, the EMA didn't depend on this, they did their own research, their own studies, should be 50 is what she meant, that was the figure name, and with that she thinks that was opened up. I use that opportunity to ask a second question, and that's always the issue in this type of hearings. It is a part. You ask a question, everybody asks a question, and you get the, your colleagues from different fractions can ask a question that's collected, and then there is a collective answer to a number of questions, and you can ask them to specify. So the colleagues asked whether they relied on the studies of their producers and they have their own studies. And she said, yes, they did their own studies without the possibility to ask. And I used that when I was my share in my round. I asked her to um, submit all the documents and researches to the committee uh, that the actually did. And first, uh, as a request, We'll see whether she's going on that. I will uh, follow up on that. And the other thing was, Kuriakis Cook said that this vaccine, the mRNA injection, we had spoken about the mRNA injection in this context, um, saved 20 million lives. That was said again and again. And then when I was allowed to ask my question, I picked up on that, or I asked them please to submit all documents, all studies, research work that was available to the commission and share it with the uh, that show um, how they arrive at this figure of uh, 20 million. Uh, so that was the thing, uh, the question that I had, and it was kind of uh, missed, uh, not really answered. Again, the chair president uh, called on me that this kind of question would be allowed. Um, the uh, fatalities and the severe side effects. Um, listed by absolute figures and the cases per dosage and I expected that she would know this, of course, uh, I think that's the main, main business as the director and of course I was uh, 
fault that I couldn't expect this, this was not Vietnam, that I should know. Uh, and uh, after the, the question on the 20 million saved lives, uh, she didn't answer that really, only to at the end, uh, so the chair uh, really was closing the session uh, with some final remarks, and then the Emma Cook jumped back in and said, well, to make clear, this 20 million of saved lives, it was interesting to look at this in detail, she talked about 20 million lethal cases. If that was an intrusion slip, anyway, um, she talked about 20 million saved lives. Um, they were, of course, globally seen, and it uh, would relate to everyone, all vaccines. Not and then not only all vaccines. As the session was over, I could ask him again, but uh, I will do that definitely. I have done so. That has to be done and written now. And it's interesting to find out how is that split up. These names: uh, twenty million saved lives by vaccinations. The basis, of course, is how do you get to that figure in the first place, and what is it related to? Is that all relation, all vaccines in the last 20 years? Not clear. And it's interesting, these 20 million saved lives always pops up again and again. Everybody repeats it. And uh, they make us think this refers to the COVID vaccines which obviously is not the case. Uh, so we can say it's one house of cards collapsing uh, after the next, which unfortunately, bottom line, does not lead to any um, admission and uh, giving the uh, people what they want to hear, which is that they have been lied to. And that's well, of course, they have a lot at stake. Yeah, because if all these truths and findings emerge and they have to admit, then the mismanagement and the, the uh, conflict of interest behind us, as you mentioned on the line, uh, will have to be addressed. The question is, is it possible for you to get a kind of special vote, a parallel report with all the findings, also with uh, what you have, and things that have been admitted, missing uh, studies and so on, that this is um, reviewed as a kind of counter-draft? Yes, there is a minority opinion. We have written that. I think it has been submitted as well. The problem is only that this is uh, 56 pages, 18,000 words, and the minority opinion is limited to 200 words. Yes, yes, that's the case. So these are the rules. And so we have done this, we have submitted it. 
but because we had to reduce ourselves to words, and this is why we can't completely uh, go down to this uh, report. We just have to highlight very, very few, kind of the, the, the iceberg, unfortunately. But uh, we did that, of course, yes. <clears throat> Wouldn't it be possible, for example, to uh, put a link into these 200 words and then you have a more elaborate uh, 500,000 word document? Uh, that is something I would have to look up. I just prepared the draft. Oh, I mean, as a, as a technical function, so to say, you could say kind of also refer to this and that. Uh, yes, I have prepared this link to the report. Uh, I can submit that to you. And the minority opinion is something that I would have to look up. I can't do that, but I can do that. I can give you that. That's good. Yeah. So the deadline is is gone, and that's all. That's all done. Okay. okay. So then I think we should uh, take a realistic look at this. Maybe you have any more elaborate uh, documentation that we can um, publish, and, uh, which is more realistic rather than this absurd limit. That is. Um, that is. Uh, fooling things, that's making fun of things. Uh, well, that's, that's what we um, do. That's, okay, thank you for reporting that. I think it's not a public report. Uh, committee, no, it is public. There's web streamings. You uh, can assist it. And that's the interesting thing about it. So you can, they can't, somehow say uh, it didn't happen or it was all different. No, it is public, it's live stream, and you can look it up at the EU web pages. You can look at it afterwards, it's all there. Oh, that's a textbook example transparency. Usually we don't know this kind of thing. Uh, usually in the federal and municipal uh, level, um, this is not the case, but maybe that's the reason why you're not allowed to ask so many questions. So, um, even if I missed it, thank you that you reported. It's uh, rather the exception that parliamentarians take time to do this. However, I'd still like to ask, um, I'm not familiar with the structures within the European Parliament. Is that a normal committee or investigative committee? What's the setup? That's the point. Well, it's a called special committee. So that means, unfortunately, it is not an investigative committee. And in the past, I have a number of times when the problem emerged that Bolu decided to come. He was invited twice. He didn't come twice. Why? He won't have a reason. Anyway. Yet certain questions can't be followed up on because the only ones who would give the answers, especially in the context of the SMS between Borla and von der Leyen, in the context uh, of the negotiation of the supply of vaccines, there's only two people who can 
the audit will be Mr. Buller, the advisor CEO, and Ursula von der Leyen. Buller, for the two times, decided not to come, and we made clear that he has actually, if we want to have answers. Um, Ursula von der Leyen has been invited as well. So, at least that is what the majority of the committee decided, that she will be invited, but Ursula von der Leyen as well doesn't have to follow this invitation. So, in this sense, it is completely unsatisfactory, and especially in this context, I demanded a number of times in the committee that we, as the special committee, of course, have to recommend action to be taken in the form of an ordinary investigative committee. That hasn't happened so far. The uh, people, the citizens, may wonder and have to wonder why this is not the case. Um, that hasn't been done so far, but that is one of the demands in, we place in the majority opinion that we've forward. There is a demand for an official committee, which at least would give us some instrumentation in order to get somebody there, not just invite them, but really uh, demand them to come. Uh, that's the minimum uh, thing that we uh, could do is to summon people to come there. But the majority still disagree, and again, the citizens have to wonder and ask those volunteers who are not of the opinion that uh, one is um, uh, entitled to justify uh, and to inform the population of what's going on, um, the questionable or not, or one should rather elect people who take that job seriously. Well, uh, they have to be the ears and the eyes of the uh, citizens. We seem to have a sound issue. Hopefully, it's understandable. And, um, well, parliamentarians have to listen and uh, hear what the citizens say. If that doesn't happen, I think it is simply unacceptable. But that is how these things burn, burn, corruption driven, and uh, possibly uh, out of scope interests. Uh, and consolations occur, as we have seen in the past three years. Well, it's not only COVID that uh, is handled this way. You can take nearly any topic that the EU addresses, any program that they do, is the citizens' will. Uh, still anchored in the basic law, at least last time when I read it, um, it doesn't play a role. It is the case. I mean, we are not even a parliament. We have the state, uh, so we have the. We don't have the competencies that a parliament should have. The budget, for example, uh, for good reasons, uh, because nobody wants the EU Parliament to get a budget authority, because then the national parliament. Uh, wouldn't have this competency anymore, surely. But it's not the parliament in the strict sense. It's just kind of a uh, 
circle of ethical people who want to save the world, thinking on how to improve life of people, but every time that goal is missed by far. We report about ideology that we have to impose on the students, and the stupid, and I say this clearly, that is the idea that most of the MPs have, not the so stupid that we have to explain what's good for them. You can take any topic, we take the climate madness, the transgender madness, everything which is done there is only for the take the rights of the citizens, reduce and take the democratic processes away from the citizens so that they don't know who is responsible at all at the end. That's the idea, that's the game. It leads to a diffusion of responsibility. Uh, federal government pushes it to the EU, the parties and the federal parliament, especially CDU, who is now trying to be an opposition, which is ridiculous, I think, they stand there in the parliament and say, uh, talk about things that they think the citizens want to hear to get a better vote next time. In the EU parliament, the members of the CDU do exactly the opposite. And they just play the game of rules and say, yes, we would like to do, but the EU doesn't do a dictate. But in the EU, it's exactly CDU people who dictate this. There's none of them who would be ready to stand up for the rights of the citizens. Look at the vote. Look at what the different German representatives in the parliament vote. All of this, everything, all that shit, the word here, is carried forward by all the established parties in the EU parliament. And if it is a directive, then the federal parliament is obliged to ratify it as a German law. And uh, that's what's going on. It's been going on for years. Well, thank you very much for these clear words. You're the first MP or um, maybe quasi-MP um, because you say that uh, the EU Parliament isn't a real Parliament. I've never heard that kind of self-criticism before, so uh, hat off. But I have to say, I also have my doubts that if your party should become one of the established parties, um, that um, will probably be the same, um, maybe accepting EU uh, personally, but once you're at um, um, in positions of power, then that tends to corrupt people, but that's a different topic now. But the question is, the well, well uh, I can um, answer that, of course. Um, I have no um, hesitance to speak about these things. This risk does exist, of course. That includes our own party. There are pity there, people there who didn't join the um, party for um, uh, out of conviction, but maybe that is a possibility of uh, making something out of yourself. And I wouldn't denigrate that, but I have full confidence in my party that we in uh, in our party processes we can actually. Um, make sure that these people will not be heaved into positions of um, 
representation where they uh, do not represent our convictions or the party's convictions, but their own, uh, representing their own agenda. So I have this uh, confidence, but the criticism you just voiced is absolutely justified, and I take it very seriously. And in my in-party, uh, internal party uh, voting, that is exactly what I'm closely looked at. I stand for my conviction. I uh, represent the uh, electoral program of my party, and that's what I feel committed to. And as I said, um, if you don't have a conviction, then you shouldn't be in politics in the first place. But I am uh, quite uh, candid when it comes to that. I'm much happier to be elected for who I am rather than for what I pretend to be. So I stand up for my conviction very offensively, very self-confidently, um, and um, I'm um, capable of being swayed. Maybe I have the wrong opinion on something. Um, given that you're actually subject to your conscience, it's not about right or wrong, but that you do what you think is right, and you can still learn from your experience. Um, you've muted yourself again, I'm sorry. Can, can you say something again? Well, it would be nice if the conviction was the right thing, of course. Yes, of course, ideally it should um, uh, coincide, but there's no absolute truth or um, right or wrong. I um, was uh, looking um, uh, for a colleague or ex-colleague of yours who uh, left the AFD for uh, recently because he saw uh, different trends because there was this um, cozying up process and that a lot of people are only interested in having their mandate um, and uh, to be, um, you know, have um, have access to the um, um, levers of power, etc. Müller, I think, is your man's name. Well, to um, adjust myself, well, my um, parents and my teachers already tried to bring me in line. It didn't work and it won't work now either. And I'm too old for that. Um, so others have tried and failed and I uh, think it won't work going forward either. So I can uh, see you as authentic as well. Well, it all depends on the individual as well and what they want and can do. And I think it is um, remarkable how you and your committed colleagues, how you uh, got um, involved in uh, bringing the uh, facts to light and to creating an opposing voice because it still uh, continues that we only hear from very few people from the EU, from the Parliament and from other bodies um, any relevant information. So I think it is very good that you uh, should be a um, thorn in, in, in um, the system side. Well, that's the way it should be, really, like you said. Well, that is, uh, from my point of view, that is my job. I um, will, um, they'd be happier um, continuing um, their destructive work, destructive work in um, their comfort zone. But we're here, we are a thorn in their side, and 
we can actually um, bring to the fore all the contradictions that they get involved in. That is my main job, I think, to um, see these uh, contradictions and to confront them with it. And I find I, I am really gleeful uh, doing that. Because when you look at uh, what's happening in the world and what they try to uh, do to um, citizens, you could really get depressive over it. Now, I have found my way and I always listen to what uh, people have to say. I'm always very quick to see any contradictions and then I confront them with it. But that is the main task of an opposition in Parliament even to um, not only to monitor the government but also to criticize it and to point out where they um, do not act in the interest of people and there are so many aspects where they do no longer do that and that's my main job uh, from my point of view and I do it May I ask another question? You uh, spoke of this ideological um, overlay um, that I can see as well, many others. Uh, for instance, uh, when it comes to climate uh, change, uh, uh, the gender issue. With COVID, it's a bit ambivalent. I think at the beginning of your report, you said that many things have already been known, not only to you and us, but to many um, MEPs as well. And that is um, what is still unclear, whether many were driven by fear or acted against better knowledge. That's uh, finding out that now, um, well, what we're now, uh, all this um, uh, cover-up could try to, um, it could be an attempt to cover up um, acting against better knowledge or covering up people's un uh, uh, ignorance. So uh, would you say that most people knew that it was nonsense? Uh, did a lot of people just act naively? It doesn't make it better, but it would be interesting to know what you think about it. Well, that is really a very difficult question. That is hard to answer across the board, particularly. I would say that there are some um, MEPs who simply followed the party line um, um, the party uh, took that uh, line and so we go along and of course the consideration uh, comes into play whether they will be um, nominated again uh, with for the next elections if they contradict the party line and then there were certain MEPs who uh, obviously had the possibility of seeing through what was um, the game here and um, in order to protect their careers uh, preferred not to do that. Then others um, didn't know about the topic in detail. They simply acted naively. And again you have to make a distinction um, between MEPs who started out naively and may have uh, realized by now that it wasn't so great what went down at the time but who still are not speaking up, um, simply uh, ignoring the fact that uh, all those um, critics uh, made, may have been right. So this naivete that they had initially, they simply stick to it just so they don't uh, play the wrong role. 
Then there are MEPs who have um, taken the right side by now and who have um, seen the light by now and they act mostly behind the scenes, I would say, not out in the open. They still don't dare um, face the cameras and say uh, to say that's all knowledge, uh, nonsense that um, that was done there and it was against better knowledge that this was done. They don't say it, but they um, work in that sense in the background. And then there are those who are so obtuse that they still believe to this day, despite all knowledge that has come to the fore so far, which is so evident by now, they still believe that uh, the uh, corona critics are bad people, are um, tin hats, um, conspiracy theoreticians uh, and whatever, they need to be squashed. That is still their approach. So you can't really give an across-the-board answer, but I'd say that is my experience or the way I um, get to know or have gotten to know different MEPs. That's all I can say because anything else would be too speculative. Well, then, if that's the way it is, then that's the way it is. Um, and that really would only reflect uh, society at large. Why should MEPs be any different there? Can I, can I ask one more question, one final question? A very fundamental one, really, because you're so critical, which I find so gratifying. Now, if you had the right to um, make the decision of what needs to be changed in the EU structures, and I'm not only with the institutions, I'm not restricting it only to um, the personnel, but also the uh, structures themselves, what would you say? Where's the um, key? What could be done? My goodness, now you really started me on something uh, that I could talk about for hours and hours and hours. Well, maybe you can um, um, try to be brief. Well, the problem with the EU is the following. The EU is not all undemocratic, it's anti-democratic. And if you look at the EU structures and the way the institutions interact with each other, it's anti-democratic. That's the only conclusion I can draw. That is what is intended, i.e. to remove the decision-making processes ever further away from the citizens and make them so untransparent and intransparent that uh, citizens can't uh, decide anymore who uh, is responsible for which political decision. They don't want that at all. In the EU, there are so many democratic deficits. The institutional democratic deficits, theoretically, possibly, might be capable of being fixed. But the question is, where do you start? If you start to fix one end, you... Um, you create problems in, in 10 other sp uh, places. So I think it's not possible, but the, it's not practicable. But the um, main problem are the structural democratic deficits. And it starts that the uh, principle, the fundamental principle of any democracy is the rule of the people. But such a people must exist before you can install democratic 
processes. And there is no European people. It couldn't exist. Not now, not in 30, 50 or 100 years. We have so many different languages in the EU, which I think is a great thing. How are citizens to be able to cut across these language barriers to form a uniform political will? It's absurd and uh, completely impossible. To answer your question, I could go on for hours, as I said, but to answer your question, there's only one way. Germany, and that that is what I fight for, must leave this bullshit organization. You know what the beauty of it is? If Germany left the EU, then the party would be over. Period. Problem solved. Because we finance all of this nonsense. We finance the uh, abolition of the sovereignty of the people. Article 20 uh, of um, the uh, German constitution. We finance all of this. We finance this ideological baloney that they're telling us there. They're not solving any problems there. They're not. So I'm absolutely in favor of an in immediate system change, and that would solve the problem. That would end the party, as I said, because you can't have a party without the money. Well, that's right. Well, thank you very much. And that was quite clear and uh, poignant. Thank you very much. Well, tough words. Well, thank you very much uh, for making it possible to uh, speak to us uh, here, Ms. Anderson, to bring us up to speed here. I know you have another uh, other appointments today, and I think it's very important that we uh, should think about transparency and possibilities of um, influ taking influence. Um, so the question is, what possibilities of uh, taking influence are there of maybe ousting people uh, from their office, um, maybe um, um, by-elections or whatever, and the media, of course, are uh, important for this, uh, for all of it. Maybe I would like to uh, point out again, um, by way of conclusion, um, these things that we uh, saw the last three years with the so-called COVID pandemic. That was only a uh, test. It was only a test to see how far can we go and what are citizens if they're subject to appropriate propaganda, stigmatization, defamation, if they're exposed to all of that, how um, much are they willing to do and what can we push them to do so they uh, will go along with everything? That was only a test. The next agendas are uh, coming down the line already. We're talking of the um, digital ID the uh, digital um, certificate um, uh, vaccination certificate was only the um, introduction it was uh, to get people used to showing something before they can go someplace digital identity is an entirely different quality we're taking it to an entirely different level we're talking of the so-called i call them 15 minute ghettos so these five minutes ghettos they'll come that's of course to save the planet uh, to reduce our CO2 footprint. It's all nonsense. All nonsense. 
they're a 15 it's a 15 minute ghetto and the digital identity that will be uh, the avenue for controlling citizens i recently had the um privilege of speaking to vera Sharaf, a holocaust survivor and she uh, said in the future there will be no um, electrified barbed wire anymore that will be handled by digital identity and she is right and those are the issues so i would like to make the point again this whole COVID thing that is only the start of it all into a totalitarian supervision state okay so we um stick to this topic we will certainly speak about what is uh, going down in the eu um, new laws etc maybe we can speak about this at some other time what you observe there we really have to monitor the eu very closely looking very critically at what's happening there so thank you very much for making it possible well thank you very much it would be great to hear your report again uh, on occasion it's really important yes i'm happy to um, speak with you it was always great no problem at all always a pleasure well mr koenig i hope you're still with us it took a bit longer because there was a lot of information um we uh, we would not like to say we have a few more questions and i as uh, imagine that um, our colleague Jungblut has more questions we will of course edit this broadcast and then we will put the questions and answers at the end of your presentation um, so um, it won't be cut apart if you want to look at this topic um, um, by this uh, completely different uh, uh, insert now if though some things um, based on what you uh, hinted at there's the regulation problem there as well that may um, be um, rooted in eu regulations and requirements or um, evaluations that aren't really uh, looked into in detail so there are structural reasons also why certain things aren't critically approached now in this context of the radiation frequencies what is your view of the eu there in this context well if i get back to what um, was said by a professor klaus buchner uh, 20 sessions ago you heard a lot about that already um in his way um but on the diametrically other end he spoke from the point of view of uh, political parties he was an eu mep as well so he knew what was going down and i mentioned another italian earlier professor giuliani and those who um, uh, footed this great study was it Dr. Ressa uh, Despoci with her team and it went all around the table and I uh, already mentioned a few members of a radiation protection commission well you can talk a lot there but uh, quite candidly I 
even though I am uh, not uh, fully in line with what the previous speaker said, I do see connections that aggravate these problems uh, that happens in my uh, field, radiation, etc., that we have um, identical patterns here. It's all about lobbyism, etc. Now the question is, where does that take us? And as I said during my uh, presentation, the problem is really uh, clear to see. If we don't watch uh, out in Germany, then citizens will pay um, penalties, i.e. the um, Um, fertilizer um, being um, spread just outside of my home, 10 minutes out of my home that uh, make my eyes water and Germany is uh, opposed to that. It's not about well-fertilized meadows, it's about um, lobby interests. So I was uh, thinking it might be interesting to see If we uh, didn't uh, call any parties uh, people's parties, you should call these groups representations and then um, they could uh, sit down at, around a table um, representing their interests. You might say, okay, nothing will come of it. That's uh, oftentimes diametrically opposed interests um, as with the discussion rounds what uh, the lady, uh, the previous speaker said, I saw that in on, on TV talk shows as well, etc., etc. Whatever, um, it's always difficult to see or interesting to see the different uh, points of view. Uh, a, sorry if I say that um, um, as a, a small fart, which uh, um, uh, if you uh, want to. Uh, change anything, um, it's very difficult. On the other hand, diametrically compared to the politicians who don't really notice what nonsense they're talking about. Because all they are neuroses, and it's not about um, any facts, really, when they talk about anything. I'd like to ask you about uh, those vibrations, again, this frequency that we're all in harmonics with on uh, Earth here. And you mentioned these um, good weather frequencies. Now, uh, we're in harmonics as well with the normal, uh, well, poor weather uh, frequencies, bad weather frequencies. Uh, for what reason do they um, um, constitute more of a burden to us? Because I, I might say, well, I love rain, for instance. Is that already a bad weather resonance? Or is that something that everything that uh, corresponds to the normal way of things, say um, seasons and weather changes, uh, climatic developments, etc. Are these disturbing elements mostly what you showed there, those iron uh, flashes and these, you know, all those things you showed, what's it called? The, the impulses, yeah, these nice um, uh, peaks there, yeah. 
I can give you a clear answer on that. First of all, we can uh, easily test whether you're a, a B or a K, um, a W or a K person, i.e. if you respond to uh, warm fronts or cold fronts, uh, people are different like that, and then it goes on. Bad weather can, of course, be good as well. It's always, uh, I fully agree, that's always about extreme weather conditions because you just described it so nice. It's not about um, um, claiming certain things. Um, it is how we evolved over millions of years as earthlings, and I, I think uh, about our predecessors, the primates, before we became human, uh, uh, before we became Homo sapiens, that we learned the alarm um, situation in certain weather conditions. That is hardwired. And why shouldn't that be anchored in our genes as reaction mechanisms? That makes complete sense because there are other living things, and I'm speaking of plants and animals combined. That is the case as well with them, and only with us humans because we're so great um you know i uh, think it's our arrogance and and i would have thought that uh, we are beyond that arrogance now that we have this um well the possibility of the media so that we could shift to uh, better facts. I get the impression over the last few months and years that it's actually going the other way. Um, you can't really um, talk reasonably anymore because different fronts clash. And if you can't, uh, if you have no more um, arguments anymore, you discredit your opponent. That's the classical finale. And that's uh, what I don't do. Uh, so I just stay out of these discussions. I'm only. Um, communicates facts, even though privately I find a lot of things uh, infuriating, and I can see that with the previous uh, speaker as well. You can vote for any party, and you'll always find something that you like with any individual political party. That's the way I uh, see it. Um, uh, and that is not, uh, it's not by coincidence that I mentioned Mr. Klaus Buchner, because I uh, used to work with him in uh, the uh, working group on uh, mobile phone um, phones with him. Uh, and I know that he's very factual. And it's um, so unbelievable that even at a, a very advanced age, this kind of person is still being attacked. So that's why I am um, always advocating facts. That's why I am um, like a rock at sea, um, speaking for the uh, good weather frequencies, the uh, different uh, frequencies and the signal structures, they're very uh, widely spread out and they can um, tell us what is happening. For instance, in Berlin, uh, what, uh, 20 years ago, um, there was a pilot project uh, by a broadcaster, I think it was RBB radio station, where at uh, New Year's Eve they sent a um, a signal of 13,000 uh, to 14,000 hertz that they um, 
sent out along with the radio signal to determine how uh, do people feel. There are interesting uh, studies at um, the Charité Clinic uh, that um, uh, dealt with it. I won't go into that. It becomes too scientific if I do. But on the other hand, this kind of background shows that what uh, nature does the spherics with its maximums. Um, a few splashes more a minute are enough to tell the body hello. Now, um, from Austria, from the east, uh, you'll get some uh, low uh, pressure system, and that's responsible for a, a bit of a low feeling then and. If um, the low pressure system uh, doesn't come from Austria or Slo uh, Slovenia, but maybe um, the uh, 5G weather, um, um, he's a, a TV and radio expert, um, and I learned a lot from him um, about um, the technical frequencies. Then we get the system from Genoa. Maybe people are happy then. Uh, that they're uh, far away from the Alps, and so you don't have any problem with the fern winds. Uh, that's uh, really a crazy um, system, uh, really crazy uh, weather, because you have beautiful weather. It should be a low-pressure system, and the sun is shining. And that's the crazy thing the body notices. Well, that's interesting, because sometimes uh, when something is really, really crazy, I say, I think I'm uh, developing a fern, and that is exactly where it comes from that um, that's where it obviously comes from, that the wind actually um, put, turns everything uh, upside down and then uh, confuses everything, uh, this uh, weather constellation that you describe. Well, for me, it is very interesting to see that nature provides us with all of this. And uh, we don't want to look at this in detail. Um, except if the trees start dying. So this is maybe typical, depending on the religion that you tend to follow. Uh, you get your freedom on Sunday to do a week of bad work. Craziness. So um, you have more questions. Uh, Hop was a question that you wanted to raise. Well, first of all, thank you very much for that um, interesting presentation. I would have a ton of questions um, concerning the predictability of calamities and so on. Maybe one question with the ambition that we just uh, discussed our profile neurosis but uh, if i got you right this 5g um the topic that made of this radiation issue popular that this is nothing else than an enforcement of the problem that we've had before with the radiation 3g 5g well it's not too bad uh, compared to what is going to come so I calm people down if they talk about 5g okay so it's got more power has it and 6g even worse is that a thing well it is um, a more directed so directed at uh, certain lines that saves energy but on the other side very direct 
um, putting up the uh, directive radiation and uh, with the height there is more energy put out because the transmission uh, drops the higher the frequency is the lower the frequency of the carrier wave is which takes the data along is the uh, more broadband it is and the higher frequency you have you have to put more energy because the penetration also in free air um, means the higher the frequency the less is the transmissibility and I have an interesting picture I just briefly like to share this by coming back can you see it yes we can let me go to the current to the chart there we are so here you see a patent a European patent it was I have to add uh, do you see what it says G7 biospherics uh, bio G7 mobile radio I talked to a big multi-corporate in Switzerland that is presenting it two years ago besides other things where the mobile antenna or similar could be used and um, have no effect uh, well I didn't want to sell this either but two examples one could use the so-called modulated the pack, uh, information taken along on the carrier of the images and everything that you want to transmit to a coded 3d sound which could be transmitted as well but that's only possible for 5g 6b 6g um, sending the signal that the structures of the signals could be used uh, chopped up uh, chaotically designed that the signals simply take away the opportunity of connectivity because the body rather reflects to um, a freak a continuous sequence that's why you like the waves of the sea and if somebody gives you a, a disturbing noise all the time you'd switch off the microphone um, so these variant was discussed a number of times I presented it at a number of occasions saying that we simply changed the software a bit and that refers to what I said in my presentation and this could be the basis that once this is used for a bio um, compatible baby phone if you didn't have the big companies and the standards and so on because they don't want to go along it's just too expensive the point is 
that there was a company uh, coming up with a uh, wireless DCT phone, um, saving energy, where in standby it simply uses less energy, but the actual background that this has less radiation, and after each phone, um, according to the DEX standards, EcoDEX is not as problematic, uh, it's not as relevant, so it is um, sold in a different way. And my idea is that one uses a baby phone in that way, showing that it works on the spheric space, and uh, uses less um, connectivity with the neural network of the human bodies. And one more thing about the control, because it says 6G here. I said before, people in China dropped to the street. Control, or not control, uh, experiencing it there. You know that once you've been to China, I've been there a number of times, in a small town, I was in Beijing, in Shanghai, as you see, so in the images, um, I was there at times where you weren't controlled. Now, it is very simple, as the lady just said, uh, where they do it. We know it. It's uh, presented in all media. If you look at these different antennas, a great number of them, then you can easily, as everybody is addicted to their cell phone, you can assume that the people who go to the forest illegally, where you can't be controlled, then before getting there, uh, I did that in 2017, I took a bicycle and went somewhere, and I wasn't stopped by the police. If I do it now, I wouldn't say anything else. I would have a question asking, if I see this, probably this is uh, less straight for the health, what you propose here. Uh, in case that this uh, more harmful version is cheaper, so that this is an incentive for the companies to use that frequency, Anything that is invested would be uh, come along with the new versions. So they just needed to agree. Uh, of course, they don't like to do that. But uh, one more thing with this presentation, um, I'm branch I'm sitting on. If one would do this, the industry would have to admit that the earlier versions were worse, and this means game-stopper, and uh, this is uh, it's a public domain, anybody can develop it. The only thing that I would uh, say something is that sleeve cervix curve, as you see here, you see this uh, spikes, there's no structure, and this is how it should be uh, used um, in order not to allow the human um, nerve system to harmonize with vibration. If that would be done in that way, um, that would be good. And the basis 
feel that envelope curve is something that I set up years, uh, decades ago, uh, presenting a digital, digital file. I have the data for it and the software that generates it and sends it from A to B. We call it data encryption. That could be changed quite easily. It's just a software issue. So still, if you produce these things and you want to change it, you can say, okay, I was a bit more critical. And this kind of great stuff now in high frequency, uh, healing frequencies and so on. So why, for example, do this and making it worse and worse as high G, as you say, massive investments that they do with the tennis everywhere because they have this frequency. It's not range. It's going to be energy power supply, which needs to be increased. You see, I'm not making any money with this, showing this to you. So that means the interest is neutral here. That means anybody can do it. And of course, that's the opposite of lobbyism. Because you can only, only things that allow people to make money will prevail. This variant would be good, at least at the full scale, for a start. Imagine, I tried this years ago, to, uh, I've talked to baby phone manufacturers, just imagine how many reactors, I wrote to about a dozen, possibly zero, quite right. Although, I had something to give away for free. Well, communication would be a benefit. And all children, of course, would want to protect their children, their babies from radiation if they can. Strange stuff. Anyway, well, first uh, for answering a question without uh, I'm having, having to ask it. The question is on how to address the situation because switching the smartphone and the Wi-Fi, uh, Wi-Fi off now. Something that people will learn. Uh, well, I'll stop you immediately at this point because uh, I'd say one thing for years. I wish a professorship for bioconform electrotechnics, electrical engineering, um, and that would be doing something here. Just imagine I would go to my professorship for that. My father and um, talk to the technical university and say this, they'd probably kick me out. Well, as I said, you answered the question, because there are ways to do it. Uh, at least technically, yes, tons of them. Um, that's very good, but uh, it's hopeful how long it'll take is something else. But one more question before we come to the issue. 6G and the uh, dropping Chinese. People, uh, that made me think of this corona when it started. We had these pictures from China where people just dropped, uh, obviously, we didn't see that in Germany, 
I didn't see any drop in space. Um, the question was, was it a fake? So now I have to think of this, and this is quite a risk. I don't know if you've seen pictures. Could that be the connection here? Some um, pictures that we were shown. And they said it was Corona at the time, but a typical symptom for Corona, as we know by now. Can you kind of give us your take on that? Well, what I can say is the experience that I have in listening to people who are concerned, be they electrosensitive or weather sensitive, uh, they have massive issues. Um, if you see how bad they are, they have severe problems, you know that they are not managing this. But there are people who do it for show. And your question will be answered, and I'll give you two points. I cannot think that this is so uh, strange that we have uh, uh, birds drop from the sky. And one thing, those who want to research on this, there is a retracted study showing a correlation of cases highly scientifically looked at initially by publication of a number of scientists, a correlation between mobile um, uh, phones and uh, corona cases, simply overlaying the maps. <clears throat> this study was retracted. <laughs> so this is something that one could um, drill down into. But that's not my area of work. Others should do this. This is about the mobile phone discussion. My approach is to find a solution. And this is what you're looking at now. Um, what I didn't show you is that I have enough people in clinics who can be helped. Good things are possible if you look into the details, apparently. And um, we have got this heart issue. This is something that um, seems to be uh, prone to conspiracies, and uh, but there are facts, and we are looking at the evidence of things here. So against this background, I would like to ask you what you know about this. ARP is um, an antenna system in Alaska which sends out low-frequency low signals. So what can you tell us about that? Well, as you have been talking, I have uh, shown a chart. This half side, when you look at the frequency range, which is down here, with these little twitches at the bottom, and interesting is that these show that 
we have frequency shares of the Cerex. If we move up, the strong Cerex. So, I played the sound, probably you can hear it. Uh, to show it with a different chart is what you see here. A harp works in this frequency range below 10 hertz. And uh, something here interesting, frequencies below 1 hertz is cycle frequencies or earthquakes. I got this in a book, um, which is out of store. <clears throat> it's a German copy of my PhD work. And I took this into English and here I have another picture where you can see what a frequency range with harp is attacked, uh, which is the one that has to do with earthquakes or typical frequency ranges which are involved in nature. I was at Mirandola Concordia. 2012, and I witnessed the earthquake there, which completely destroyed the industry. And if you are there, I got my equipment there on a brick uh, of the earth, and, and uh, measured the uh, fractures of the earth and the magnetic fields. <clears throat> and how can I stop my screen sharing? <laughs> we'll see the overall view, the now, the whole picture of your presentation. I'm not too experienced in this kind of uh, presentation. So can you see me? No? We can see your PowerPoint screen. <clears throat> but if you hold something up now in the camera, we can see it. I think our producers can. How can I stop my screen sharing to see me only? We are. Yes, you've managed. Hallelujah. Okay, good. So I was there amidst the earthquake zone, and I show you that because with very primitive measuring equipment, I just scanned the magnetic field and I could see, and um, I'm focusing on the earthquakes because you get the earth resonances. And we have a 12 hertz frequency discovered by Tesla. And if you do the right analyses, you find these peaks here, which have a technical reason. And this gray carpet at the bottom is the spherics and above that technical fields. 
And now you can ask what this is meant to me, mean, and that means if you, with the HARP project you move into a frequency range, manipulating things. Uh, Professor Kummer did that with their PhD, simulating artificial lightnings that he sent out in America and uh, captured elsewhere or in Arctis, um, analyzing them over big distances. And he could find out that this is not just lightnings, but more. And this hard antenna systems do not only collect and transmit because every sender, every transmitter is a, a receiver as well, and that allows to pump loads of stuff into the atmosphere, so the so-called Schumann um, resonance can be changed and modulated, and uh, that makes things possible. That is a bit speculation still, but there's an interesting book which I'd like to quote, Rudolf and Froza Frequencies is what it's called, and there they harp systems in Hungary in the Cold War. They had their fights in the Cold War, so antenna systems were directed towards the West, and we have one in Bavaria as well, east of Munich. And I was there years ago and just uh, held a uh, metal nebula spoon in a tree and I could listen to a radio. And this monster system which exists over kilometers of size, they load tons of stuff into the atmosphere and that is spectacular. You can see that here in this presentation what is known about this spheric topics and all the interpretations that can be made because of the natural frequency range shows uh, big problems which are touched here without people knowing what they do. They don't know what they do, is the saying, and in many of the things which are developed technically, this is why I would wish to have a professorship for bio-harmonized bio uh, electro techniques, electric engineering, and that means that uh, the devices should be developed uh, to touch certain biologic effects, and with this knowledge, one should proceed in a way that's in agreement with this, the uh, measurements are taken, and um, it's done vice versa for decades or for a long time. Things are developed in order to get the performance, and <clears throat> this means it's a um, manipulation maneuver on how to do this HARP project. And there is much, much more to say. Of course, that uh, is called conspiracy theory. Uh, but many of the things are not put to the public knowledge um, because people are not really concerned. Uh, that is one of the arguments which 
around the and Klaus Buchner, with his presentation, made things much more clear when talking about high frequency range. For me, as I said, this is um, just to call attention on how natural nature works, and there are means to do this in a better way, technically, and the proof that all of this works has been given in many, many studies. I have published scientific papers on this on my website. There's tons of stuff. Um, the Japanese Journal of Medicine and other um, publications, scientific documents, not just anything. It's peer-reviewed publications uh, because, in my opinion, if you knew these things, I go to the public and talk about it, and I say, take it or leave it. Okay, and, uh, the background is it's fields of antennas. How high are they, these antennas? I've seen pictures, and, well, as you said, kilometers. Um, one antenna, uh, a meter or whatever, and an extra, and it's fast, really. How, what do I have to think about it in dimensions? It's kilometers, because the wave range that we work here is a kilometer range. So one sine curve, you can calculate it, it's thousands of kilometers, really, that uh, exist in this with a few hertz only. And this is why the Schumann resonance spreads as it does, because the wavelength of the curve, uh, 7.8 hertz, exactly has this resonator around the globe and sees it to um, take on the uh, lightnings. Uh, when I say flash, um, again, uh, worldwide, there's thousands of lightnings, not one, only everywhere we have lightnings, and they bring energy to the uh, atmosphere, the atmosphere, charging the Schumann resonance. And with that, this hot project uh, fills out with this. There is receivers in Russia. The, to get Schumann resonance as a normal person, it's quite easy. All you need to do is go away from a big city. You need a couple of magnets, magnet coils, and a few filters, and the, uh, that. And uh, with this so-called harp antennas, you can do it easily, easily. Um, anything can be done really there. Uh, I'm not informed in what they play about with. Uh, if I uh, were, I would be working for the CIA or whoever. But literature uh, that I've mentioned, you can get quite a lot of information. The HARP project is something for crazy people. There's patents for whether making um, the Chinese in 2008 uh, manipulate the weather. They know how to do it. I'm sure all big nations know how to fiddle about with the weather. What is that official? So the purpose of all of this is uh, simply uh, scientific experiments. So it's used by scientists or is there an official 
technical application where people say, oh, we have a great unit here and a great plant here and we can do this, that, or the other with it. Well, I would say that everyone who looks at it curiously, uh, uh, generally speaking, uh, I would recommend um, do your own research. You can find a lot of, uh, first put it in a book with this book, Frequencies. And the whole story about Hub uh, is uh, also becomes interesting um, if you um, look at Professor Kama from Stanford University, um, going over his um, PhD thesis and his uh, follow-up publications. He really wrote a lot about uh, these frequency ranges and the uh, natural and um, artificial spherics. Um, um, now, how is he? Uh, how does he spell his name? Um, you can look at the uh, bibliography here. Anyway, we can find an awful lot here. It's by far not everything that I um, spoke about. There's an interesting approach by uh, Professor uh, Meil, who uh, extends the electromagnetic uh, worldview by another form of waves, um, which was described by the first postulated by uh, this physician, uh, physicist uh, Maxwell uh, Meil, uh, Cortes Calabile. Um, a lot of experiments were made. Uh, the Canadian uh, government uh, gave him an, a, an award for it. So we could say a lot about this. Or if you low, uh, look at the uh, low frequency applications with a view to earthquakes, there's the NASCAR um, earthquake. Um, uh, research um, uh, from Japan by um, Professor Kayaba, um, where they um, look at the uh, earthquake aspects uh, in more detail. Professor Hayakawa invited me once for a uh, lecture, but I didn't have uh, the time because I developed this um, predictive model. I'm not showing that now, but I wanted to find this Professor Kama here on the bibliography, but I can't find it right now. It doesn't matter, really. You just do have to do a bit of research and you'll find something. So much. Because uh, Hub is not all. Oh, here we are. Here we go. www.e, um, that's the website. And uh, s.a, uh, that's his um, first names, initials. And if you look at www.ee.voke.edu, then you can access his website. And the term used in this frequency range is very low frequencies. Uh, that's not it. It's uh, VL. F uh, for very low frequencies. If you enter those buzzwords, these search terms, you'll certainly will find the right websites.
Well, that's fascinating. I'll certainly uh, read up on this because it is an uh, amazing field. And it seems to me that uh, there is a lot of positive and destructive potential um, that there might be um, a lot happening here. And I'm really amazed because it is something that we uh, should look at how we can use it for healing, for improvement of human well-being and such large-scale experiments that might have an uh, impact on the overall structure should be refrained from that it would seem to me but that is a first impression that i have here well just a brief comment on that as a, a final aspect this um, magnets um, research has been used it was uh, very highly popular um, in the 30s and 40s um, when they didn't have the right uh, medication yet and then the medication industry took over um, and the fact that with XYZ you could buy some um, plaster put on your shoulder uh, where you can get impulses on your shoulder that is nearly um, uh, old school today, but 20 years ago, nobody wanted to deal with it or electroacupuncture, etc., etc., because uh, the medical uh, products had to be sold, and the established uh, medical industry, which had been around for a long time already, i.e., uh, the knowledge that with impulses of certain frequencies you can stimulate uh, certain areas or um, maybe uh, loosen muscles, etc., that's all possible. I uh, sometimes mention a 230 volt source as a practical solution that uh, doesn't uh, work on um, uh, on a um, 50 hertz uh, basis, but on spherics basic uh, basis, you can only hear it. I use it sometimes when my wife and myself are tense because the uh, body let's go immediately um, it is um, incredibly energized that way but it can't adjust to it because it's stochastically chaotic so that's no problem so that's the alternative to Thai massage let's stick to the uh, Asian area you mentioned the uh, professor from Japan um, now, uh, what um, conspiracy theorists um, tend to associate with hub uh, is uh, earthquakes, and it is often claims that um, that the earthquake in Fukushima, Fukushima and in Turkey and Syria as well is uh, associated to that. I don't want to uh, nail you down on that. You had mentioned the. Um, um, Earthquakes, you mentioned that. Would you say that HARP has this potential uh, to cause earthquakes or is it, uh, is it nonsense? I wouldn't categorically preclude the possibility. On the other hand, there are Russian observatorium uh, websites that 
permanently monitor the very low frequency range at one hertz. Um, you can look for it uh, where uh, spherics and the Schumann res resonance can be seen. And it's uh, very easy there. If you find artifacts ahead of these earthquakes and there's a peak there, like uh, indicating there's something crazy about to happen, as I published in a smallish um, uh, association uh, magazine. Um, in 2006, I was in San Francisco, and the North Koreans performed nuclear weapons tests um, underground, and by accident, uh, I measured, I'm not sure whether it's the P wave or the S wave, but I could capture them uh, via magnetic uh, measurements. And it was so strange that it couldn't have done, uh, couldn't have done anything with um, earthquakes. And on my way home, I um, realized that by accident they noticed it because I thought that my devices were incorrect, energy supply or whatever, of the sensors. There were hall sensors that are used there. Well, I uh, calculated the speed of this wave at 1,400 uh, meters per second. So I did uh, capture this vibration. So you can feel such a nuclear test, nuclear weapons test around the globe. You can uh, feel it as seismic. Uh, vibrations, you have it on channel XYZ, be it in La Palma or in India, wherever you are. It doesn't matter, you will capture it. And that's why I say, if you um, wish to monitor this, there are all sorts of um, websites monitoring very low frequencies, fields, and what I would do is uh, go to the DLF pages, say, um, of Russia, that can be uh, received here or wherever, uh, spherics or VLF.et, uh, I think there's another uh, website. And uh, you immediately have the current graphs. And if you see something weird there, you know they were tinkering around somewhere. If that is not the case, um, it's only uh, a theory. So this is a good um, um, point with the nuclear weapons tests. Um, in layperson's terms, uh, the similarity between a nuclear weapons test and an earthquake is that we have an epicenter where the um, bang is uh, loudest. Now, um, with these um, Harp uh, vibrations is more like a beam, um, a directed beam. Can we um, determine uh, this on the shape of the um, of the spread of the vibrations? Well, I think uh, the shape of the impulse uh, should indicate whether it's a strange vibration, um, as with an earthquake. That's usually a vibration or a peak. And then such vibrations are oftentimes reflected somewhere, um, um, if you're talking of a nuclear weapons test. But if you have several seismic uh, seismic sensors somewhere, say, near North Korea, Korea or in uh, the US or in the South Pole or Australia, and you compare 
um, the uh, curves as they do it scientifically, then I would know from the time delay and the curve shape where the signal comes from. So if there's a peak, I'm very close. If it is a vibration, I know I'm further away. And now getting back to harp, what uh, might have an influence now is uh, something I mentioned at the beginning uh, with an example. This thing with these earth uh, quake vibrations, the um, soil spherics um, that are caused by EMP um, effects, um, whether you have a, a lateral or a vertical um, uh, shift uh, with the quartz. Um, materials and the iron rich soils uh, they cause this piezo effect and if i inter uh, interpolate that i just uh, think a bit further here and i take a magnetic field and i uh, target a risk zone that i know about and i could uh, if i can then um, pinpoint this then i can imagine that at a um, fault line uh, of the, the um, tectonic plates, uh, for instance, the European or whatever, Asian uh, tectonic plate, if I uh, target this specifically, I could imagine that something happens there. You see, I uh, went a step further and um, uh, applied it in practice already. Hopefully only uh, as a mind game now. Yes, but I'm sure that all uh, sorts of people have thought about this. That's really uh, old school, what I just told you. Another short question. This uh, facility in Hungary, do you know where it is or do you know that it's in Hungary somewhere? I know from the book uh, um, High frequencies. Um, I was there in 1999 and I saw a weird facility there, but at the time I didn't realize what it was, what it was all about, because I was reporting on the radiation properties of headsets and then a, a professorship um, um, uh, or a um, university invited me uh, it was quite novel there and then this was this audio shock uh, study from australia and korea uh, that they could find that the people working in call centers uh, suffer from head uh, headaches a lot um, and it was due to the headsets that had a lot more radiation um, than they have today and then I um, founded a company, uh, first of all, to make headsets. Uh, I won't give you the name because that was the uh, advertising. If you find, want to find out, you will. And in 1997, I launched the first low radiation headset uh, to market. And it is still um, available from the company that I left in two stages in 2008 and 2016. So there are low radiation headsets available. Okay, I think we could uh, continue doing research forever and keep talking forever. So I hope we uh, try to crawl. I think I suggest we crawl, try to crawl the net, the web, and we'll see what we can find there uh, going forward in another um, the background information that we um, have 
we'll have different questions then uh, so this entire tesla uh, topic will be interesting in the long term but maybe we do that in another uh, appointment please contact uh, professor livio giuliani he has a, a few things to tell you now uh, concerning your uh, core competence and i uh, you know what i'm talking about and overlap of what i said a few minutes ago um, what overlap there is, he knows about it, uh, how and where this is uh, um, research and how it should be uh, published scientifically. Uh, it was a topic at the very beginning when in Bergamo uh, there was this COVID problem um, coming to the fore that it might have to do with this. It was an issue relatively early, but of course it was immediately a, a conspiracy theory and it wasn't a topic anymore and I think that's what you were hinting at, right? Uh, some uh, smart people have done more research there and after I have been uh, undermined uh, musically, I have a an associate who has sold more than 100 million uh, discs, uh, records, uh, with his band globally and uh, his band has been around for more than 50 years and he was able to uncover a few things in Bergamo. that's all I say okay that's an interesting uh, point uh, for one of the next few session sessions he actually uh, made an uh, um, uh, composed a song specifically for that and the money that they earned was uh, dedicated to the desolate uh, situation of the hospitals in Italy, particularly in Bergamo. Well, that's really very interesting. Mr. Kuni, thank you very much for being with us today. And um, I really thank you for the um, interesting uh, explanations with the various examples. It has made things much more palpable than it was in the past. And I'm uh, curious uh, to uh, look at this in more uh, detail in the um, scientific publications and what we can find. Great. Um, so I'd be happy to uh, continue this uh, conversation at some um, time in the future. Great. I have uh, many more questions, but that would take us too far now. Yes, we'll get back to it. All right. So see you soon. Let's see. Okay. So all fine. Okay, thank you very much for your patience and see you then soon again. Okay, thank you. Everything all right? Um, have a nice evening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, really um, interesting and I'll uh, look at it over the weekend. We really had planned now to have an uh, update on Italo Gates uh, from Italy, but due to the advanced time we uh, didn't want to um, stretch um, the interpreter so much um, by contrast to the last meeting which was a bit uh, nerve-wracking because it was so long so that really takes us to the end of this uh, session i think we really learned a lot again and it is amazing that there is so much to uh, to learn uh, i always find it amazing okay so in this sense we um, have to point out again that we depend on your support for our work the committee 
um, um, since the very beginning. Um, it is a uh, joint effort um, supported by uh, the audience uh, through um, your support, and we will uh, con uh, offer the possibility of asking questions. Of course, uh, that has been lost now to an extent. Uh, we've done it via the chat, and we will do it that way again because that is uh, more obvious to see what interesting questions might be raised um, or might um, be might arise during uh, the uh, interview. Uh, we can't do it all at the same time, but we'll try to optimize it again. So, if you wish to support us, um, our um, research work um, uh, to be continued, for the research work to be continued, then um, we'd be grateful if you could support us. And we have been uh, recognized as a charitable organization now, so that you can actually receive a um, uh, receipt for your donation, um, tax deductible, and we're in the process of issuing those. Okay, so thank you very much. Um, a lot to be learned again. So I would like to wish everybody a um, nice uh, Friday evening, a good uh, weekend, and see you again next week. Okay.